0: To be honest, it's just, I think about, okay, I immediately go to, okay, what's the issue? What's happened the last three points? How do I put myself in a better position to get a better pass maybe? Maybe I haven't adjusted yet. I'm gonna adjust my footwork or my positioning in server seat. All right, now I'm gonna focus on getting a really long approach. If they serve me short, my sideline down the middle, no matter what, I'm gonna get a big approach so that I've got, I like to call it, I like the movie screen in front of me. I don't go to the movies and sit in the front row and then I can't see the screen. <laughs> I uh, get a big exactly. approach, see the whole theater, all of the people see everything. So that's immediately one of my things. Better position, my serve receive location, big approach so that I get a big window, I get the movie screen in front of me. And then I'm not going to predetermine what I'm going to do. I'm going to give myself the most, I'm going to get myself to the 99th percentile of effectiveness, siding out, and then I'm going to react in the moment. welcome
1: to today's webinar. I am Mark Burick, for those of you who don't know me, I play on the AVP and uh, I put a bunch on the FIVB. We gonna get back there soon. And uh, today, we are gonna be talking with Brandon Joyner, my partner at Better at Beach, as well as, of course, Casey Patterson. And we wanted to discuss a lot of setting and hitting, so we are gonna get fired up in a few minutes, um, but just stay patient, hang tight, what I do want you to do is get a pen, get a paper, write stuff down that you learn or that you have questions about because at the end we're going to try to do a live Q&A, but you're going to have to use the question and answer section for that. So below, if you're looking at all of your options, you should have a Q&A section. That's where you put your important questions that you want Casey, me, or Brandon to answer. Um, and Uh, Other than that, you have your chat function. So I also want you to take a look at your chat function. And if you click on that right now, in your chat function, I want you to make sure that you are uh, sending to all panelists and attendees so that in the chat section, everybody is live and can see what we're writing. Go ahead and all panelists and attendees. And since you are here early, you guys will be my guinea pigs for testing sound and video. So could you please, if you hear me, go ahead and write yes in the chat thank you holden thank you ak isaac Dominic, chris david steve amazing buxton what up brother lucas welcome back adam james francis jason cool good to have you guys all here in the chat i want to know what you guys are looking forward to most you know uh, if you could get something out of this session brandon me and casey what are you looking for? That's a good hat, man. Thank you, appreciate it. Uh, so go ahead and use the chat. And you know what is it that you hope to get out of this session? Because we are talking about setting and attacking. Those are the two skills that Casey wanted to cover. But uh, I still want to know what you would be interested in learning. Um, and if you could pick Casey's brain, if you could pick my brain, if you could pick uh, Brandon's brain, what would you be interested in? We got offensive tips and strategies, learning how to set butter. I can respect that. I like that, okay attacking strategies isaac what do you mean by attacking strategies so up to 31 participants people are going to be rolling in if you are rolling in guys i want you to find the chat function and i want you to set it at all panelists and attendees please just uh let us know what you are looking for why you came to this webinar and why you came to this webinar and and what you want to learn today tips for improving attacking proper arm swing footwork utilizing vision how to properly place your arms when setting, how to adjust your offense or the game in response to the other team's play. I like that. You look at the defense right before you spike and tips on how to do that. Uh, Gonna be welcoming Brandon Joyner into the cast. Should be ready to rock. And Casey will be joining us in just a couple minutes. Hello, sir. Hello. How you be? I be good. How are you? I'm back. What have you been doing since yesterday?
2: You know, I, I changed my shirt and my hat, so that's a pretty big accomplishment. Um, haircut.
3: That's
2: good. Yeah, no haircut yet. Stay strong, man. Um, yeah, no, I got this. No, just been plugging away, working, and uh, started a new a new book. Like reading. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm uh, actually turning pages.
3: Nice.
1: Hey, yeah. what's your uh, like? What are your top three sports or volleyball books that you think that like? Have, have changed your career because I, I I remember you talking to me about a couple of them but I want to share them. Ooh, see mine are uh my
2: they're definitely more like life-changing books I wouldn't say that it's more volleyball um it's kind of it's been stuff that's um really well first the book that I love the most is The Alchemist if you've never read that it's definitely a book worth reading Coahu Co- Co-
1: uh the Brazilian guy right Paulo
2: Coelho yeah. yeah. He's phenomenal. He, like all of his books are, are really well written. And actually I, I give credit to that book with actually getting me to move to California. Home. Oh really? Yeah. That book kind of set me on a path to chase more and experience more.
1: And so yeah, that book kind of got me going. Because it's a, it's a life goals book or it's a chase what, what you feel in your heart book, right? You know? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's kind of one of those, uh, what you said second, about kind of trusting your intuition, trusting the path that's set out before you and then kind of capitalizing on it. That's a book that I really like. And then this past fall, I read another book. Called Celestine Prophecy.
1: Casey's running a little bit late. He's on a bunch of phone calls, but that, that's all right. We got some
2: some time. It's called Celestine Prophecy. I just wrote it in the in the chat, and that one really sent me on a journey of how I wanted to start. I mean kind of continue per- portraying myself um it has to do a lot with uh with like energy and using that energy to affect others and affect yourself awesome. and so that that book uh has had a lot like has helped me a lot especially with my in-game um kind of atmosphere or the way that I control the way that I react to temper or tantrums or anything like that um one thing that I've it's kind of helped me a lot this year is enjoying the moment a lot and being positive, especially while on the court and playing in difficult situations and out and in coaching. It's helped me a lot in coaching as well because it talks a lot about like, if you and I are having a conversation and I'm saying a lot of negative things, then obviously you would probably cut off that conversation. Um, It's something that you're not going to welcome because it's, it's something that doesn't feel good coming at you. So like, it's definitely helped me with my body language and my vocabulary when I'm coaching to make players feel more comfortable and definitely just overall field of practice has just gotten better, not only in my own practices, but the ones that I'm coaching as well. So
1: I, Is there those are thing that, like to be a good teammate or a good partner, like in life, you do have to learn a little bit to change what you say or how you say it because of how people absorb it. I mean, I'm never gonna tell somebody like, don't be yourself, but at least be aware of how somebody else is receiving it. Right. Because that can help you. Like you don't have to not be yourself. You you can do whatever you want, but in order to be powerful, you do have to recognize what effect you're having on another person when you say things certain way, because you might be closing off your own opportunities and people don't get training on how they speak and how they interact. And there needs to be a lot more trainings available. And I think like open and acceptable for people to be learning those.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it it really, um, especially for you and I, for those of you that don't know, Mark and I went to college together, played at George Mason University and kind of very quickly, we both were pushed into this leadership role, especially the environment at George Mason. It was a very much, do it my way or the highway kind of atmosphere. It was welcomed by most of the athletes that were playing with us, but uh, there were definitely some times during my playing career where, I mean, especially after you guys left, where I was stuck in a really weird situation because we had some guys that came in that were phenomenal volleyball players, but they just didn't react the same way that I did to you guys. Mm. Uh, So when I was trying to use the same leadership that was given to me, I ran into a lot of roadblocks and not only was it detrimental to uh, our team, but it was also detrimental to me to where I, I like I even went through a point where I I was like not enjoying practice much anymore. And it was it was just a really weird time. And I, I went and talked to Fred, uh, who was our coach, and he told me that the atmosphere had changed and it was different. And unfortunately I was so young that I didn't really pick up on it. And I mean, at this point I was sophomore Mm. or a junior maybe, but the third year and I played for five. So it's like, I wasn't really, I don't think I was really ready to lead the team yet, but with the guys that we had on the team, uh, it, kind of felt to be my responsibility yeah so that team the team after you guys left uh we'd operated where it was it had to be really positive energy it was a lot of build-up it was a lot of you can do this kind of stuff which hand-holding which like it <laughs> was complete opposite
1: of what I we had Probably like one of the best lead-ins we can give for Casey because, you know, he's here waiting for us. So we're going to bring him on in a second. And he is by far the best person in the world to practice with and against in all of my experience, like playing 20, 30 different countries like all different practices and different people to play against having him on the other side of the net is awesome having him on the same side of the net's got to be great but just like the fire that he brings and he knows how to dig into you but keep it like positive so that Mm -hmm. you don't get pissy and then you throw away your practice because he knows that some people get too mad and then they'll just throw practice away but he i think he shoots like just the right amount of digs right amount of jokes and nonstop energy. I'm excited for the energy that he's going to bring. This. Yeah.
2: All all the practices that I've been in with him have been by far the most entertaining practices <laughs> I've had in my beach volleyball career. Uh, <laughs> it's been amazing.
1: So uh, without further ado, we are uh, bringing on Casey Patterson. Hopefully, he's got his his window set. Maybe shave. Let's see. You think he shaved. We're,
2: oh he did no! Shave. I didn't shave.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: guys oh man day? how are you man what a backdrop good i'm doing well
2: thanks yeah, for having me is that me. your room
0: fun. is that your bedroom yeah this is my uh it's just above my backboard in my um in my room so just to stay motivated your backboard. <laughs> just kind of rotate you know that's the goal is i kind of want to look like that guy but i'm guessing he's only like five two that's why he's so jacked hmm, I don't yeah know. he's got the beard yeah no this is uh an office that i help with a, a solar company i help them with some of their uh social media and uh brand marketing stuff and so this is in when you walk into their office this is the the wallpaper so i love it
1: when you say you you help them with uh, their social media like did they come to you as a consultant for uh for how to promote themselves and then you give them that or you push like for them as an affiliate
0: yeah i was kind of uh it's, it's my buddy though actually a couple buddies that that own it and um they had a a gym in their office and i used to come work out and i was like dude you guys should i could help you with some social media and stuff like that and helping with kind of your marketing campaign going forward and like oh yeah we'll toss it around and and consider it and so then they they came back to me and they're like dude let's go let's let's figure something out and get the let's start promoting it and uh, because it's fairly new company and so they're growing so fast they're like dude we want to look cool and have some more content and have you know stuff pumping out daily so uh, yeah, it was kind of a connection through a friend, and then it turned into a really good uh, gig for me, especially right now when uh, we can't play any volley. That's, yeah,
1: that's pretty sick. That's um, nice job converting like everything that you have done and learned about promotion and content and fan and spectator engagement, and then converting that into something you can do beyond volleyball.
0: Yeah. Luckily, uh, panned out. Yeah, I feel like that's a huge thing for us as athletes, is we get this like cool platform on the AVP. So it's like, well, what ways can we help elevate ourselves using that besides just spiking a ball? And uh, especially when you get older, it gets harder and harder to spike a ball. So the other things where you don't jump, not having to jump is pretty huge right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're saving the longevity for, mm-hmm. for sure. It's perfect. Knees feel yeah. great. <laughs>
1: So my, uh, my brother was giving me last night, we were talking and he's starting a coffee company as well. Um, so he's like getting into the small business stuff and he gave me some good ideas for questions to ask. And he said like, one of the big things that he would be curious about asking you was what do you think is the next catapult after volleyball is done? Like, what do you see your transition like in five, six, seven years once you're done
0: yeah, that's a great question because I feel like that's something that we all kind of want to have a little bit of a head start on, whether we're just starting or we're in the middle of our career. I feel like that kind of stuff is is huge because uh, Jake used to always quote, like I think he heard it from someone else's popular quote, like an athlete dies twice, right? You retire and then you officially die. So it's like you die halfway through when you can't play your sport anymore. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> how do you, for me, it's always like, dude, what do I enjoy doing? I love talking to people. I love coaching and instructing and, and helping people turn that light switch on when they're playing. So mm-hmm. coaching is always going to be an avenue that I'll take. Um, how far or deep, I, I'm not sure. But I know that that's something that especially with, with how Division One sports has gone lately for women right now, like, the job opportunities are much better than it was even three years ago. So I think there's an opportunity there. Um, I think continuing to do things that I do with social media and um, kind of just leveraging the the kind of my resume. Like, hey, I got a chance to go to the Olympics. I got a chance to be a pro for a long time and, and win some tournaments. And if we look at those things, those are that's my resume. That's all I have to show. And so my plan is to kind of utilize the relationships I've built over the years with the sponsors that I currently have or ones that I'm currently talking to. A lot of times now when people start hearing, hey, if you're not playing full-time on the world tour, or you got some more time, this exact scenario, hey, why don't you help us run our social? So I think the number one thing for you guys is, for every athlete especially, is do a great job of taking the time to interact with people after matches, during the tournament. When you're you know, at an event that's not even with volleyball, and just open your mouth and get people's name, your name in their mind, right? So that they can mm-hmm. remember you. Cause that's basically all I've tried to do is create good relationships and cultivate them. And then something would happen. So, I mean, well, that's, that's kind that's of my super
1: in your like That's up your alley, right? Because you are personable, like your friends are right. easy to talk to. Yeah, um, I don't think that to me, I don't think that that would fit like a lot of people, Right. Uh, but it would be advantageous because, you know, I don't know if you like follow like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, all of these like amazing entrepreneurs, right. And like yeah. you have to know people in order to get to know more people. Right. And as soon as like somebody else can open a door for you or, or walk you into a room and be like, This is my friend Casey. And then they're like, Oh, you know him? Okay, you right. gotta be a good guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Connect the dots. Right. And that's what basically you what you guys are doing, you're doing that in a way where you're helping people get better at something that maybe they didn't focus on super early in life, or they did. But the moment that they, you help them improve this much they're immediately like such a good relationship for you and then they're constantly going to be opening doors for you and so then it helps you and just just coaching alone whether it's anything i mean that's the key to success is just the connections and uh, cultivating those relationships here's one question that i have for
1: you because um i me and brandon were just talking about partnerships and the energy that you give somebody and how they receive it and like i know you know i played with hudson bates for a while he's now the associate or assistant coach at ohio state men's program and me and him had a very specific way of talking to each other and it was super dry and we would like just hammer each other in the middle of match like you suck you suck i remember oh do
3: this
1: (laughs) (laughs) but we like we loved each other and we knew that you know we had each other's backs and then i kind of brought that mentality to a few of the next partnerships and i looked at everybody i looked at what hudson could do and then i only saw in the next partner. Instead of what they could do, I looked at them as what they lacked in comparison to Hudson. instead of what they're right. doing well that, that Hudson didn't have, and I feel like I ruined probably a couple of good opportunities because I didn't recognize that early enough. And now that I've had like my first long-term girlfriend, thank God I'm still holding on to her. She's teaching <laughs> me about like, <laughs> like how to hold on, how to how to compliment, and and how to like uh, accept and promote the best parts of somebody else. So how do you take that energy with your partners? How do you? I think you've always talked about how to maximize your partner and make them the best but could you just yeah
0: for a bit yeah i love that analogy because what works with some partners has is like maybe the worst way to approach another partner so for me it's always like first of all being positive is like the main focus of mine like i think being a setter in college and in high school you just blame yourself and move along and you want to like maintain everybody's attitude i'm always checking to make sure everybody feels good hey how's my outside hater how's my o2 how's my o1 like What are they doing? Are they communicating? What is their eye contact? What's their body language like? Like all those things, I'm constantly like monitoring. Okay, how can I? Okay, he needs, I need to set him the X2 and let him bounce the ball and he'll be fine for me the rest of the time. You know what I mean? Like you had to kind of manage a lot of different types of humans. And so I think with each partnership you transfer into, number one for me, it's always been like, okay, how do I be positive and bring energy? I have to bring that no matter what. No matter who the partner is, that will always work because that's a a positive like infectious no matter how you play like you enjoy having fun versus getting yelled at so for me I always think about that then two I feel like each team has its own identity with you and Hudson it was dry it was it was like all heart you guys were grovelly you were nasty you never gave up like and Hudson was ready to fight at any time if you needed him to and so you guys were like no like you that seriously was you guys were just out there being warriors and that was awesome and that worked for you guys and you guys did well. And then you get to a guy that might be a little bit more sensitive because he hasn't been coached that style. You know what I mean? Like the, n- the next guy is a little bit different. I think finding what your identity as a team is and talking about it, like having a meeting, like with Troy and I, we had a meeting. OK, what's our identity? OK, we need to side out at a really high clip and we need to be super grovelly. We need to like never give up and outwork every team we play. Like that's who well, we have. To think that
1: would be the identity for every for every team, like we're going to outwork, we're going to hustle at all times. Right. Do you think right.
0: there's any team that says, nah? <laughs> no, no, right. I, I agree. I think that has to be like, everyone's like your cornerstone. And then you build around that. I feel like that should be your cornerstone. Then it's like, the more you start to practice and start to feel out what works for you, you're going to add pieces of that. Okay, I'm going to add this cornerstone now. No, hey, let's be great at running the four, the four defense and make sure that we're, our timing is perfect every time. Like, that's what we're going to do. And no matter what, we can count on that being something that's a staple for us to score. I think with each partnership, that should be a goal. And that should be a team talk like, hey, who are we? Okay, now how do I approach this when you're not playing well, like for me, if I make a few airs in a row, and it's like a high pressure situation, the last thing I need is my partner to give me this tone, like, let's go, dude, come on. Like, the last thing I need is my guy giving me like a somewhat of a like edgy negative tone as yeah. if i don't know that i'm playing bad and we all i think we all would agree right like yeah. listen bro like we're all our worst cri- critic right we're like yeah. we're all like dude even when you side <laughs> out but they touch you, you're like, oh, like i gotta be better right oh, but, okay
1: now you want me to come on all right i, I didn't yeah. realize that you wanted to be there like, all, i wasn't okay. trying before on this point.
0: <laughs> like, I, want, I thought you wanted me to give up our four point lead first and then side <laughs> out okay my bad Right. Exactly. <laughs> so i think for me personally A tactic that I've started to learn about myself, and I think that's a big part of how you work with the team and how you can uh, be a better partner for your partners is understanding yourself even better. Like for me, let's say that happens. Well, the last thing I want is that tone, that aggression. And then the guy, you know, kind of being like, well, dude, it's not my fault. Like I'll never do that to my partner and be like, dude, let's go just side out. I'm like, Hey, do we need to run a quick set? Do we need to go back? Do I need to set you off the it? Do you need to pass off and kind of act like we're out of system? And then they pull and I throw you in system with the set. Like what do we need to do to get you comfortable? So I've got those keywords that I can help my partner. Then I let's say it's my partner that's playing that I want to take all the attention off of them. So I'm going to wipe my shades. I'm going to joke with somebody in the crowd. I'm going to talk to the ref. I'm going to talk to the guys across the net. But in a way where I'm going to take that attention where you feel like you want to hide under a rock because you haven't sighted out a few times. And now it's match point and you had a four point lead. Now everyone's looking at me like, well, what's Casey doing? And everyone forgets about Mark and Mark can start to get back to where he's comfortable and he's relaxed and he's ready to <laughs> fight out. And then I'm going to say, hey, dude, whatever you do, I might just go on too. Don't worry. Like, we'll take care of it. Hey, let me know what you want to set. If this happens, we'll go here. If this, not there. Like, I think that like, universe, you need to be great at filling that universe with communication and, and understanding how your partner reacts to those situations. So for me, that's, that's always my focus. is how does my, like, how does my galaxy, where is it revolving? How is it spinning? Where are we at each point?
1: Well, if, if you're playing with somebody like, like Nick, right, who he loves the fight. Like when he's down or he just got punched, that's when he comes back and he punches a lot harder. For sure. Um, you kind of like let him
0: sit in that moment. I think I would find things and be like, "You let him do that to you, dude." (laughs) You know, like I feel like that's kind of what Phil does. He's like, "Dude, five bucks says you can't side out this next ball." You know what I mean? Just add something on top of that (laughs) and give him that like bulldog mentality again, where he's like, "Well, no one believed in me. I'm a little guy that should." You know what I mean? Like that whole mentality, the tight trampling mentality, like. All right, I'm going to start slicing ankles and Achilles. Like, I'm going to do whatever I can to win this fight. (laughs) You know what I mean? I love it. So I think, yeah, I think understanding that and who your partner is and how you can kind of, in those situations, what's going to work for them. Mm. That's how you be a great partner. That's awesome.
2: Obviously, you're a pretty uh, fan favorite on the AVP. People like to watch you play. And a lot of it has to do with you, uh, with how vocal you are. And I, I actually remember well, this was probably a couple months ago now, but at practice, like you were talking a lot and I like tried to whisper to somebody else at practice and I was like, man, he just, he talks all the time. Does he do this all the time? And you heard me and you were like, well, I talk in practice because I got to prepare so I can talk during tournaments. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> um, have, yeah. you, uh, have you always had that kind of entertain entertainment kind of mentality while you've been on the court or did it like, did you have that when you were playing indoor? Or, or is it something that you kind of brought to the beach?
0: Yeah, I think, dude, to be honest, in high school, I, I was like more just positive energy guy. And then when I got to college and started playing with Brazilians and watching how they were interacting with the other side and with their guys, and I was like, oh, that's even more fun, right? Like even more fiery. And then it just started to evolve. And then I would just talk more and more. And it got to a point where I like was practicing it so much in practice that when I would start to play, it was so easy to do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so fun this is so entertaining because when I started playing beach, I'd watch guys who were very like methodical and very robotic and they got the job done, but it was just like, dude, do you even enjoy being here? Cause we're all bored (laughs) watching. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even having fun watching. And so I think there was, it was kind of twofold. It helped me play better. And then two, I wanted it to be something that people wanted to watch to kind of hopefully like elevate the game. So if you practice it in practice, you know what I mean? A don't pull on me or an invisible Trevor Crab and you're talking trash to him on an open net swing. Like, that's just all in fun, but then it pays <laughs> off and then Troy pulls on you on stadium and you're yelling at him mid-swing. You know what I mean? Or guys like yeah. that. Like, and that makes for such a fun, entertaining moment, but it's not, it's just natural because you've already been practicing it. So <laughs> for sure, I think it, it definitely evolved into something that now is just, that's who I am. Didn't awesome. start that way though. Such, <laughs> such an amazing point that you're going to be doing that in the game
1: right you're going to be and so many people like they'll practice one way and then all of a sudden it's match time and that testosterone and the energy level is like now it's the match now it's the match wait a second every part of you every like muscle fiber right now is at a different tension than was during every one of your practices so now you're a different person
0: yeah exactly so if you're loose and calm and talking and having fun and then you go to play and you're like oh it's the same this is awesome but now there's more of a crowd to entertain wow this is (laughs) better, right and then it just makes it It actually makes it more comfortable and more fun because that's, I would way rather be in a stadium court full of fans heckling me than on court 17 by the bathroom in Manhattan that's on the angled court with no one watching. I'm like, I'm at a huge disadvantage over there versus at stadium with all the pressure. Like I would way rather have that. And I feel like
2: you probably, you definitely get uh, rewarded for bringing that energy. You probably get put on courts that are going to allow the audience to watch you, which is cool. 100%.
0: 100%. I feel like every athlete needs to identify themselves with like a signature look, a pink hat, a mohawk, uh, long braided hair, like something just a little long or long uh, plastic shorts to the mid shin. Like <laughs> <laughs>
2: So and there's not many people that can pull that off if anyone
0: <laughs> right. that was a special that was a special time there was no, <laughs> no enough bringing that look but you could <laughs> from far away you recognize you know what i mean like you def. you've immediately identified yourself for fans right so that's a part of it and then i think just that whole entertainment factor and, and being someone that people enjoy watching i feel like we all are that person it's just in which direction are we going to elevate that specific personality trait of ourselves you know it's not all the same but we all have something entertaining and fun to bring. Okay, what is it and what do, how do I elevate it so that I get to be on stadium more? Or people recognize you more and then it elevates your brand and you're getting sponsored. You know, it's just, it's for the greater good for yourself. So um, for
1: everybody who's here right now, we just want to run um, to get you guys involved. I'm just going to launch a couple of polls here. So it should pop up on your screen. Um, we just... Got a couple questions for you so that we can get some stats afterwards. But um, since Casey's here and we've had a number of different talks with different guests in the last week and we touched on different topics. We actually want to know what you guys want to hear, Um, because, you know, Casey puts out a ton, a ton of content and he does it for the fans. He does it to interest you. And we've started really ramping up our content as well. So we're going to launch this poll, and it's what do you want to hear from our guests, right? So we got a number of answers here, and it's what do you want to hear from our guests? And I'm just going to shut this down in 30 seconds, but it's video analysis of their performance. Do you want the guests teaching a skill like Casey teaching to set today, Casey's teaching to hit today? Do you want live Q&A where you guys get to ask questions? You want their origin stories where they have the biggest mistakes and the biggest failures of their lives, what workouts or drills they do, and then their game set, their game mindset strategy. And I think we just talked about today, like a lot of that game mindset and strategy for teammates and and how to help them. So Casey, if I could lock you into, to like our first takeaway from today, if your partner doesn't side out, let's say two, three times in a row, what are the first words or first questions that you ask them? Because you said you would ask a question about like their set or their tempo. What's your first reaction after they're like second or third non-side out?
0: I think first of all is I would might not be the most effective way of doing it. But I've, what I've noticed is I'll immediately blame myself in a positive way. Like, hey, that set was too tight. It kind of it kind of tailed towards an end It trapped you. That's my bad. Let's run. And then I want to give them an option. I want them to take their mind off what just happened, who's watching, what the score is to what set do you think you're the most confident putting away right now? Hey, do we, should we run quick? Should we go back? Should we run tempo to the pin? Do you want to fake, you know, pass and have me go on two, or fake and then say, like, what do you want me to do? Like, what should we do? How can I help you? And I think that immediately turns their mind from, oh, my gosh, what just happened? We were up three points. Oh, crap. My girlfriend's watching that girl that I was super into. You know what I mean? Like whoever you are in life, like you're thinking of all those things. So if I can hurry and switch that off and be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I want to run that tempo set to the pin. I'm gonna do that. Sweet. And then I'm gonna give them as much confidence as possible. You know what I mean? And then I'm gonna play out some scenarios for them. And I might over, I might talk too much in between serves, but I feel like it fills that void of their thought, right? And I can answer for them. Hey, um, watch if they, they serve, serve you short the sideline. Let me shift over and take a little bit more middle. So they've got to serve right in your lap and then there's no way they can stop you. You know what I mean? I want to constantly be giving him thoughts that help him feel confident like his best favorite most effective set and then i'm going to build him up i'm going to constantly be building up before that serve happens and i'm going to give him some scenarios to look out for hey watch for that short serve on your sideline you can take a step up i'll guard the middle like i want to solve as many problems before the actual serve happens so that my my partner has been thinking okay we're gonna run my best set i'm gonna be super confident probably gonna go ot high middle i'm gonna to try to do that you know what i mean uh casey said watch the sideline okay i'm gonna i'm gonna take a shift over so okay i have less responsible responsibility to pass that middle ball okay good he'll help me out you know what i mean so it's like i'm giving him confidence and relieving him of some of his duties originally that would normally his job mm. and that way now hopefully i've given him from a 40 percent confidence maybe i can kick him up to a 65 70 right and then maybe something weird happens and we can side out like that's my goal and that's what i would do if that scenario would happen and then auxiliary things would Hey, let me manipulate the ref a little bit. <laughs> let me talk to him. Let me pause. Right. let me wipe my shades. Let me give my my guy a breather. Let me you know fake timeout. I mean, you know what I mean? Like play the game a little bit. Like play the game. Give your guys some time to recuperate. And I, I think I feel like that would be my technique in that situation. Right or wrong, I think that's what I do.
1: <laughs> I love that. I think, I think so-
0: taking the uh, sorry, Mark. Um, taking
2: the responsibility off of them is huge, and then. Not only taking that that pressure off of them, but then also filling their mind with thoughts that are going to help them win the next point. That's huge. I actually haven't really thought about that too much. And I have noticed how much you talk in between points, but knowing that that is the direction you're trying to go, that's I'm sure that that's why you guys are always so successful. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I think that was... That's been a cool, cool thing. I think that helped me from indoor as a setter, right? Like you're yeah. constantly, like going back to what we talked about earlier, like you're just managing emotion. That's all it is, dude. Volleyball, all dude, it's fun and it's stress. Those two things. And if you're riding one more than the other, you're either going to win or you're gonna lose. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're either having fun and you're free and you're in that flow and everything's calm and cool and you're reading the ball and you're digging everything and you're siding out and the blocker can't even touch you and you're just like and then you go back and you bomb three aces and you're like this is so much fun or you're overthinking every aspect of what's happening how fast the wind is who's watching uh should we switch sides I don't know like maybe I'm better on the left I don't know I hit that three balls out I got stuffed I can't see the blocker the defender's double faking now he's staying home you know what I mean like (laughs) it turns into last samurai you're just like dude I'm thinking about too many things (laughs) and then you're bouncing stress off everything that you look at and you're like dude okay so my job as a partner is How do I just get that stress or majority of it out of the way and let you just have fun again and be confident in who you are and your ability? So for me, it's just managing emotion. It's such a higher level way of looking
1: at like what I think everybody normally looks at. Like, how do I pass better? How do I set better? All of this. And then once you've got those basics up to like your 80-20, you know, like once you've covered the majority of that, then you just got to understand how you're feeling how your partner's feeling and then be able to play with the most people possible like this whole like love story when we talk about romance that you belong with one person that's not going to serve you very well in beach volleyball like you've got to train yourself to get along well and find emotional matches for yourself as as a partner and like how do i change to make this person better Right. What do I need to tell them? What are their keywords or their triggers?
2: Do you ever allow your partner to feel that stress? Like I know you try to talk them out of it, but like in practice, do you do you ever allow them to go through those pain points without you, or is that something? Or do you just go into it and say, you know what, this isn't an individual sport. This is a partnership, and this is the way that I am a partner.
0: To be honest, I have in practice because I feel like in some practices, if I'm not talking a lot and i'm quiet i'm probably not having a great practice and that's an indicator of probably giving away too many secrets right now like <laughs> casey's super quiet we got him you know what i mean like it's a big tail tell for me is and I, but i think at the same time you need to experience those things like i feel like we're becoming less and less resilient because the game got faster the short the court got smaller the ball's easier to control we train like less time because we that's an unfortunate because you got to go make money somewhere else. But at the same time, like we're not experiencing all those emotions all the time. So I feel like that's a great point to, I mean, and I have, and I've experienced it myself where I go through this time during practice where I feel like maybe I should stop playing volleyball altogether. But how many of us that have in, that in that moment helps you realize who you really are? You know what I mean? Like everyone says you learn more from a loss than a win. And that's, it's like this. You hear that all the time, but it's true, and that's true for a reason. So, of course, you let your partner kind of go through the trenches a little bit and kind of hopefully build up a little bit of resilience and then give him a little nuggets here and there. Hey, dude, why don't you play through timing a little bit? Or hey, why don't you just block line and just delay line the rest of practice and see what happens and see what you see? Let's see if that helps you come out of this. Because that's something that I've been trying to help Troy with is like, we'll go back practicing with anybody, but like, hey. I want you to recognize this moment and how it feels. And I want you to, going forward, try to figure out a different strategy on how to get out how that feels. Whether it works or not, let's keep experimenting on something new so that we can go, oh, there's one thing. Okay, we can hold on to that. And now, you know what I mean? When a team is siding out at will, right, let's go grab that nugget. Let's go grab that that specific tactic that worked for us. And let's try that. At least in your mind, you're more confident because you're like, oh, it worked before so I think letting them kind of go through that and then as a team recognizing it how do we make it better because I think a lot of people go dude I had a terrible practice well their partner probably let them go maybe a little too long and we didn't talk about the situation at hand like hey dude how can I help you mm-hmm. like I've been, and I think you always want to go like dude I've been there before over my career I've been there more times than you've ever been you know what I mean so here's what's worked for me and then go get your water and let him do his thing and have his quiet time and come back and hopefully he comes back <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah you're constantly just trying to elevate his mindset versus what he thinks because no matter where you're at in life and your career i feel like there's always something someone else can help in a way or direct you in the right thought process and so i think letting them go through it a little bit build up some resilience not be hand fed everything all the time but then like fix it and learn from it and then try to eliminate it as much as possible. I
1: like that you said that. Cause I, I think people like get really super frustrated when they're losing at practice or whatever. Yeah. And when you say you have Troy work on just swatting line blocks, like even if somebody's coming on a freight train, you know, just go ahead and reach up, make sure he does not touch the line and, and see what timings you need to change to do that. Like why don't more people in their own practices and you know, I've gone this with, with Logan, with Ian last year, where it's just like, hey, I know we're going to get dug a lot, but for the next half of a set, we're going to hit cut shots. Like, yes. See if we can Love do it. it under pressure in every moment. And like, if we really, really, really suck at cut shots, then we're not going to do it on Friday. <laughs>
3: like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, right. You know, if we don't hit any today, it's Wednesday. Like, Sorry, but that's going to be outside of our game plan because it's obvious that we're not prepared for that yet. And If you don't right. rep out certain skills, again and again and again you don't actually realize how good or bad you are at them they just hide because you make a different decision the next play
0: i love that dude forces you out of your shell then you're having to hit a cut shot with like five different body leans and approach speeds and trying to figure out like okay well if i have to do this what are the 150 ways i can change everything else leading up to my hand contact that's not the same well, okay that might be the answer but in a lot of these players' minds, it's like, no, just keep in the cut. Oh, practice suck, dude. This is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's true. You help, you help realize your strengths and weaknesses. And then, I mean, isn't that like a Karchi thing? He'd be like, okay, I'm only going line today. And that's all he would do. And he would just figure out a way to win only going line. I feel like that's a great mentality because you're, an, an, by like three points in, the team's starting to figure out that's what you're doing. So now that's the real challenge. Now as a team, you're like, all right, dude, how are we going to keep, how are we going to win this with only that option? And I feel like that's a great way to, to build up, like I keep saying it, but become more resilient and, and learn specific tools within one skill that you thought you had the answers for. Well, now there's 50 different fixes within that. You got 20 tools to, to fix that line shot. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that really makes you a really good player. Hmm. So guys, second takeaway, um, you know, the first thing,
1: like first takeaway we had today from Casey was uh, if your partner doesn't side out two or three times in a row, ask. First of all, take a break if you're in the middle of the match. Find some sand to wipe off. Joke with somebody. And then ask them if they want to run a different set, you know? Don't be like, don't say that. Come on, dude. But ask them, hey, want to run one to the pin? Sometimes people take the, do you want to set me on two? Uh, They take that a little bit wrong. But I'd say, hey, give me a nice high pass. I'll fake the option, and then I'll give it to you. And if it's wide open, then you hit that option. But just a question of what different set or what different play you can run right away and then the second one that we have here is if you guys are in practice go ahead and pick two swings to win a match on that practice like say today i'm detonating cross and i'm hitting cut shot and those are the only things that we're going to work on for two hours and that's how i have to learn how to win here and you learn all of the different types of cross like seam sharp cut jumbo high ripped hands like there's so many different versions of cross and line like you said so, what
3: if the,
2: what if that's what you do anyway? Because are the only shots you have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got my poke <laughs> <all> back.
2: <brand> <laughs> um, Casey, we had a. I uh, normally wouldn't. We wouldn't break for like a Q and A at all. Or, or at this point, but um, somebody asked a pretty good question uh, and said, "What if you were the one in the stressful situation, not your partner? Um, like during a match? What are, are there any tips
0: that you have that are that are pretty quick?" Yeah, I think. Um... I have actually had that conversation with a lot of my partners um, and being like, Hey dude, when I get this way, you know, I'm not going to be playing very well. So let's say that scenario happens. Like I got blocked. I don't feel like I can see the court. I don't, my legs feel terrible. Like there's all these excuses you could have and I'm just not performing well. Well, like I said, the last thing you want is that, that negative tone all these things So well. For me, what I explained what I do for my partners, I love having them kind of do those same things for me. They're going to talk gotcha. to the ref. They're going to wipe their shades. They're going to build me up with a, a set that I know I'm the most confident in. So that I immediately think, oh yeah, you know what I mean? I'm going to get my head back to a, a place where I'm confident. And then I'm going to go across all those points. So it's just, dude, it's just full reverse. Like, hey, gotcha. I need you to do those things that I do for you. Maybe not to an, that extreme but pick two or three things that, that make you a better partner for me. And that's something that Tyler Hilderman had Jake and I do leading up to the Olympics is he would have, okay, what's your focus personally today? And then how are you going to be a better partner? And we would have to have those be our, like specific goals for that practice. And so for me, it was going to be like, hey, I'm going to focus on my set location. And really, that's going to be a, a key point for me every time is to try to perfect that location or Hey, I'm going to go on two as much as possible, being as aggressive as possible to alleviate a little bit of the pressure of him getting served. Or I'm going to really like talk today. I'm going to communicate way better than I ever have. I'm going to add a few things I haven't done before to see if they work. Those are the things that I would love a partner to do for me. And I feel like that's where you find those magic moments as a partnership. And then personally, what I would do if my partner, if I've expressed that to my partner, like, hey, these are the things that would help me. And then internally, okay, what are the things that help me internally? Well, let's be honest, just playing beach volleyball isn't a very scary thing, and it's not the end of the world. So I think coming to terms with that in those moments, that helps, and we can all say that, but feeling it is hard to find. Because it's always in the moment and things are stressful. Um, and I think, to be honest, it's just, I think about, okay, I immediately go to, okay, what's the issue? What's happened the last three points? How do I put myself in a better position to get a better pass maybe? Maybe I haven't adjusted yet. And I'm going to adjust my footwork or my positioning in server seat. All right, now I'm going to focus on getting a really long approach. If they serve me short, my sideline down the middle, no matter what, I'm going to get a big approach so that I've got, I like to call it, but I like the movie screen in front of me. I don't go to the movies and sit in the front row, and then I can't see the screen. <laughs> I uh-huh. can get a big approach, so exactly. I can see the whole theater, all of the detail I can watch it and see everything. So that's immediately one of my things. Better position, my serve receive location, big approach so that I get a big window, I get the movie screen in front of me, and then I'm not going to predetermine what I'm going to do. I'm going to give myself the most, I'm going to get myself to the 99th percentile of... Effectiveness, siding out, and then I'm gonna react in the moment instead of deciding, "Hey, I'm gonna go just high, middle," because that becomes a tendency, and people pick that up. So I think it goes all back to the process and the preparation. And I want to make sure that I communicate with my partner. I don't stay too quiet. I think that's a lot of our problem is we get so internal and quiet that our partner is just like, "Dude, how do I help you? What do I do?" You know <laughs> what I mean? They get start, and then they get anxious, and then it yeah. goes back to that whole stress thing we talked about. Now he's stressed too, and God, it just. Now we're just crumbling and it's just the snowball effect. So I want to stay vocal with my partner. Hey, dude, I got this. I'm going to get a bigger, bigger approach. Maybe set me like a foot off. Give him a a responsibility. Hey, dude, set me like a foot off. I'm going to get a big approach and I'm going to put it away. You know what I mean? And and I think that's the process that I go through. Better positioning, maximum effort on my approach, keep that theater in front of me, and then react in the moment instead of predetermining what I'm going to do. Because I think we get into that shot or, or swing full swing or, or super easy shot. And as defenders, that's the easiest thing for us to defend because we're showing that as attackers so much sooner than anything else. So you want to live in that gray area of that three fourth speed, that three quarter speed. And I feel like that would be <laughs> a lot of thoughts, but
3: <laughs> I, I, three I, thoughts
0: I, now, I do want to
1: lock you into one, like, okay, you, you just made two hitting errors, like one into the net, one out of bounds, one thing that you tell yourself internally or ask yourself.
0: Yeah, it would be stay back on my approach. That would be it. Keep cool. the ball in front of me. Yeah, oh, that's so much easier it's all the other Keep stuff. <laughs> <do you> <laughs> and then you just go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and it's just. All right, dude. I'm gonna just cook up a whole meal here of thoughts, right? <laughs> uh, um, so,
1: guys, we got. I'm. I'm gonna give you guys a, one more poll here right now, just because it's gonna help um, Casey with his content. It's gonna help us with our content and help us give you guys what you want. But it's what do you want to hear most from professional players? So I'm just launching that poll. Do you want our the volleyball drills that we use? Do you want like day-to-day life, like blog style? Like Casey posts a, a lot about uh, his family and his everyday. And his four hours every day on highways. <laughs>
0: I know I got to stop posting about that. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sick of watching it myself. I'm like, oh, it makes me—it makes me grateful to live so
2: close to practice. I will say, yeah, that.
0: good. Okay, it's for Brandon then. That's yeah, what's...
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, guys. Uh, use that poll. Go ahead and give us some votes. Like, what do you want out of like a professionals' Instagrams, or if you're a part of their email list, do you want? volleyball drills, day-to-day life, workouts and exercises, the products that we use and love, advice on mindset and motivation. Do you want just our cool highlights or do you want cool pictures? Let's go ahead and chuck in that vote on the uh, on the poll there. Where is the poll? Why didn't it show up? Relaunch poll number five. How about this? I'm going to relaunch it. Hopefully it's showing up. Sorry, guys.
2: Yeah, it's out there now.
1: Okay. I'm going to share this with Casey as well because like this, these little like bits of field research it helps us make yeah. better content for you guys, and then Casey, I, you know, <laughs> this has been like an amazing talk so far, and it's it's already been forty-five minutes, but uh, we are gonna get into. I think more people wanted to learn a little bit about attacking and your mindset there. Yeah. So once this poll is finished, guys, uh, we have Casey's AVP Manhattan the day he got his name on the pier, two thousand sixteen championship when he was playing with Jake Gibb against John Hyden, and he had. I think, one or two match points uh, in front of him, and then they came back and they won against Try and John. So we're going to take a look at like his mindset, his positioning, where he was and why he was there when he was playing offense. And uh, hopefully we can all pick up these tips. Cool. So a lot of these people, Casey, uh, want volleyball drills. They yeah. came to the right place with us, with better it be. Yeah. Um, but now we know, like posting stuff on Instagram, you can just be like, with, especially with your Mic'd Up series that you're about to do. Yeah. Like what drills you were doing during that time. Like, hey, this is why we're doing this. We're doing this today. And then workouts and exercises and then advice on mindset and motivation. And a lot of people like highlights. Nobody
0: likes pictures. You're going to have to write a book, man. No more cool pictures. Bummer. Those are the easiest. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I'm just taking a picture of
1: those poll results and then, uh, yeah, let's get into your match. Chris Moorhead loves the mic'd up content. Good, 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 good. Okay, so we should be able to see my screen here and then, uh, yeah, we'll just scroll through it. And Casey, you kind of lead the way. You guys can see my screen, right? Yeah. All right. Also up for me. AVP 2016, Manhattan Beach final. All right, let's see it. Um, Let me get rid of this. My stupid computer likes to do things to me. All right, Um, so here we are. I'm going to shrink this too. Get all these little things out of my way. All right. So first serve of the game. Uh, let me Just talk me through first your mindset going into this game, if you can remember four years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. And what your game plan was, because this is try and hide you know who you were going to serve and what you were going to do offensively.
0: Yeah, with these guys, they were so versatile, and they both sided out at such a high clip. Um, with them, the first initial uh, strategy was real tough middle serves. Uh, kind of get them to deal with each other a little bit more versus just targeting one guy, at least at the start. Okay. Oh, great start. Love that. Um, is it because you know them? Yeah, we... So, that dude, brief history on this, this uh, matchup between these two teams is that on the, 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 for four years leading up to the Olympics, we played this team more than any other team in the world, on the world tour and then on the AVP. So, what, which was good because we were basically head to head fighting for that second spot to go to the Olympics after Nick and Phil. Mm. Um, So it was, we both, at least Jake and I really love that because we felt like at least we're playing the guys that were trying to take that spot away from us. And it was, you know, immediate head-to-head against those guys versus like them drawing a low-level team that made it through the qualifier in a world tour event and then we get like a Bruno Alisson like we would way rather play each other more often versus not because then you know we were in control of our destiny in a way because it was against each other
1: okay that's uh, that's that's really interesting you're like all right you know I don't want to see uh Canada go and, and lose to them because then I'm just gonna be pissed at Canada where I have no control. Yeah. I would right. or like beat them on my own. So that way I know my trip to the Olympics is either my fault, you know, and not in the hands of somebody yeah. else.
0: By the way, that body language of me where it looked like I was super mad at Jake, that was from before that in transition where I hit a ball right at Hayden and don't put it away. I'm so mad at myself right there. <laughs> Dude. Which I think it's really cool to talk about too. A lot of times, us as players, because we're so like critical on ourselves, when you see those, like right here, I think I go deep middle at Hayden right there. Like, what am I, I? That's so frustrating. I need to be going three quarters of the sideline. Hayden guards that. Can you too
1: define big. three quarters of the sideline? What you mean
0: there? Right here, you see, I, I can see that try kind of pull, but that set, I left myself a little bit inside, so I couldn't really turn hard line. So I'm just going, okay, I'm going to go deep middle. But Hayden knows I want to kind of target that location. So instead, I need to be going that same almost speed with more hand control to finish the ball towards the sideline and follow through. So I've got peak performance output on my approach, like max approach. But then I'm going to take all that control and put it in my hand and dart the sideline versus right in his lap because Hayden's too good at that stuff above his head
1: his hands are just magic
0: yeah he's like rude. if you
1: see replay after replay of his hands they never they like never leave his belly button to nipple line like it's, oh, sure. it's like he's always like in basically like um combat fighting like, yeah
3: yeah <laughs> right right
1: uh so you said that you got a little bit inside on the set would you like blame this set because oh, for those of you who are like looking right set. now we talk about like a set falling on the left side of your body is usually a not great situation because it's more limiting than if the set falls on the right side of your body. So do you think that this is a set problem or an approach problem right here?
0: An approach problem. I did a great job of getting the distance, right? And I'm, I'm staying behind the ball, which is exactly what I want to do. I, I kicked out two feet too wide by not stopping my momentum and then going and stepping with a step close directly to the ball. I've rounded it out and I'm kind of like, Mm. like my last two step close steps are finally to the ball, but I would like that step right there to be eliminated. That big wide one that I take with my right foot right Mm -hmm. here. I would rather be a whole body length closer to Jake. Like right there, I should have, I should have stopped and then gone straight in.
1: Instead of your left getting almost outside and in front of your right, right. It almost
0: crosses over my right foot, right? Yeah. It does. Like I've got to step over my left foot.
1: So now you're always going to be diving at your left arm. Okay.
0: And then that would have
2: opened up your attack back at try.
0: I would have been able to, ex- yeah, expose him pulling. And I think mm-hmm. that's why he pulled, though, because he saw right. that I'm a little bit under it and I'm cockeyed. So that's, that affects my vision. So now I've had two chances to put the ball away which is super generic. I hit a JV Cuddy at Hyden right there. I'm thinking, dude, JV Cuddy, you want to make varsity or not, dude? <laughs> <laughs> <what> I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they want to test me out, right? They're like, they've got me two times in a row. They're like, let's go at him again. Let's see what he's going to do here. Do you think that they came into that with this game plan? Who, who are they normally serving at this time? So, I would say it was pretty equal. The same thing back to us. They would try to exploit middle and then short sidelines at us to try to get us to kind of um, deal with each other a little bit more and then expose a guy if he gave up an air. Okay. We we kind of approached each other in a similar way. Very balanced out uh, services towards all four guys. That's how the game ends in the end. Oof. Oh, they're flipping out. No, That's the famous double joust. (laughs) I uh so I
1: played I played Jake and Taylor last year and I saw like three pictures of Jake still on the ground when I was hitting the ball yeah and I was like wait a second what is he doing and I started learning how much he does stuff like this where he's waiting for you to shoot so that he can swat there's so many times when Jake gives up a crushed hit, because he trusts his defenders like you back here. Yep. He says, you know. Okay, I'm gonna get a touch no matter what on a shot because he knew that I was a shooter for for a while. Right. Um, and now I'm sh- sort of changing it up, trying to even things out. But uh, he would ignore swings, especially now he's got like Taylor behind him who can do everything. path or whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, he does that reach where he's only worried about a shot. And it looked like you were both kind of committed there to either he's going to go cut high cross or high line, but you left everything else open.
0: Yeah. Do you want to go back? That's exciting. Let's go back and start that. This is a four call. So let me give you a brief history, really quick, a 15-second history. Over the first two years of us playing together, we ran all these traditional types of defenses, and we were successful, but we felt like we still needed to improve. Two things. I need to dig more balls because I was transitioning 90% of them. Like his setting and my offense was like, that was our biggest threat on defense. Like we could do such a good job of that. So it was like, how does he become a more effective blocker by that? I mean, how does he affect how attackers play the game? We used to call that the fill factor, right? Like Phil makes you play a little bit different. makes mm. you feel like you have to play a little bit more perfect and you have to be a little bit more like spectacular to beat him. Well, jake is so good at reading and processing that we adjusted his timing to be able to process longer and then make his move and so what that did is it gave him the ability to capitalize on more of these balls that should be blocked uh, and affect how a guy attacked the ball and then that made me more confident and calm to be able to make that long four or five steps to the line but be patient doing it so and by how you started it with his hips our whole strategy was he had to let the attackers hips pop before he was allowed to go up. Now that two parts. It gave him more time to read and it made him longer at point of contact. He was taller and bigger and able to play with more options. Um, and then secondly, it made a defender, uh, an attacker, it's out of their eyeline for a longer period of time. So mm-hmm. the longer period of time you don't have information, Goes back to the stress we talked about. The more stress you're giving that attacker. And unless they're behind the ball with a big approach and they're coming in like a freight train, they're gonna start to second guess some of their decisions, which is that exact shot. It's a hopeful line shot. I hope this is the right answer. Not I know it's the right answer. That was the whole difference in how our defensive scheme improved, is that we played a lot off that mentality.
3: So it looks like this is kind
2: of a similar type of setup, except now instead of a four, you're running a three. Yep,
0: exactly. Exactly. And I think understanding, to all the people watching, understanding the fours and the threes and the ones and the fives and whatever the ball calls, there's always something you have to be okay giving up. There's always something that you've got to be okay with giving up. Like in a four, I've got to be okay giving up the absolute line hammer. I've got to be okay with it. And as a team, we have to understand it and be okay with it. It's the only way you're going to trust each other and be able to run the timing that works effectively where the attacker doesn't see what's happening. So as a three, you're giving up like a hard swing angle. and a four, you're giving up the fast swing line. And if you guys can be okay with that and understand that, hey, we don't always have the answers and sometimes they going just make a great play. Like that's going to make you more confident over a longer period of time. And then it gives you that ability to make those rad comebacks because you understand that. You're okay, and you accept they're going to make great plays and that you're giving up specific things. You're taking a chance on that. But a lot of people that watch like, dude, why don't you go line? Well, it's like, well, dude, that was the one thing we were giving up because it's going to set us up later on in the, in the match. I like
1: that. I like knowing that you're always giving up something and that you should not be mad after every point you lose. It's right. like the equivalent of a chess player like, flipping out after he loses a pawn. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's part of your game. Like You right. have to lose that in order to get the information and get the setup that requires like the, the win later. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's a perfect analogy.
1: Okay, so um, good defensive moment, but let's, uh, let's sti- stick back to topic here on, uh, on your offensive attacking here. Yeah. Um, so here's Jake, gets the pass, and he moves back. back, right? Yep. He's already at three-quarters depth. And then he gets more space. And how do you react to people, Casey, when they 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 look at us and like, oh, well, of course you set high. Of course you have that long approach. It's because you're six seven. It's because you're six eight. You're six three. You're six two. Nick is six one, and he might have the longest approach in the AVP. Yeah. Like, um, how how do you coach that when you're telling people, you know, how far how far from the net their approach should start?
0: Yeah, I think, I think there's two things. I think everybody has their own separate strengths and weaknesses, right? So you want to try to eliminate those weaknesses and give yourself optimum opportunity to decide out. So I feel like for most people, having more room than not is better. Getting scrunched and small, losing a little bit of vision because now the closer you are, the smaller things are, the less time for information you have and the less time for re- to react to something you see you have. So there's a time and a place for all those things. But I think giving yourself more room is always going to benefit you versus be a negative thing. It's always going to be better in my mind. And then, and then two, being tall, short, or whatever, that doesn't matter. Being able to build up some momentum so that you can jump higher and swing harder. Why would you not want that versus like a two-step gather with no approach? It's like digging a cut shot and you just don't go anywhere. You stand up and then you're like going to get absolutely housed because you have no vertical. You have no reach. You got sand in your eyes and you're blind. Well, if you were to get up and get even just two steps back, now you immediately bounce. I keep going back to stretch stress. You immediately bounce that stress from being on the ground to, Hey, I got an approach here. I'm coming after you. You know what I mean? So that's my mentality when it comes to that, that approach distance and uh, preparation for everything. You think that
1: we're we're like, we're trying to get an approach because we're tall or we need a high set because we're tall. It's because we want to jump higher. So if right.
0: you're shorter
1: than six, seven, six, eight, six, three, whatever, like you need, you need a longer approach because you want to jump higher. Exactly. You know? Um, And, and it creates your vision, the field of vision, or even if you do want a lower set, keep the approach long so that you yeah. gather momentum to jump high for your low set.
0: Right. Yeah. It's like no one really block jumps higher than they approach jump. That's what you would basically putting yourself into a block jump type mentality if you don't give yourself room that's six to eight inches that you don't have where you would if you would have gotten yourself a big approach it's perfect
1: okay i want to see you on offense here again all right so they're going they they eventually they stop going middle they're going to give now (laughs) give doesn't do that normal right-sided shuffle in here He stays a little bit wider. So as a setter, what are you thinking when you see, you feel him here? I doubt he's talking, but tell me, like, is he talking middle on you up or do you just feel
3: him?
0: No, I just feel him there. Uh, I just see that he gave himself some more room. So what I want to focus on is giving him a little bit more of an apex on that set. So that way he's got a little bit more time to process the location and step close to it. So he's further away and you felt that, that he had more
1: space than normal. So as a setter, you've made the decision to put it higher. Yeah. So that he's got time to get his feet there.
0: Right. Similar to indoor setter, right? Like you see that your outside hitter maybe passes on the ground, but you want to go to him for some reason, you're going to give him a little bit more time, right? You're going to assess the, the, the situation and then give him an optimal opportunity. That's,
1: that's, Awesome because one of the problems we run into like in our volley Promosa classes, it's that we hear kind of amateur players saying, like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? You know, like somebody's about to set, and then they're asking what set they want in the middle of them setting. And I keep promoting to the players, you have to understand and use your peripherals to know where your hitter is. Right. And you got to lay it up on their right arm. That is your number one rule. Get the ball to three feet from the net and get it somewhere near their right shoulder. And that's the set that they want. No matter what they tell you, that's the set that they want, like, or that they need.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Better that situation for your partner and then let them make a decision.
1: Okay. So guys, you don't, it's important to talk. It helps your setter. But if you're a setter, your job is to feel your hitter, know where they are, get it to the their best location and whatever you guys determined was their best location usually it's the right arm though okay
0: okay mark (laughs) burrick
1: am i giving it away there yeah but i don't have a i don't have a seven one wingspan so i can just stand up
0: like that (laughs) eight nine standing reach helps with that one guys (laughs) i still think it's higher it probably. Isn't. I think
2: it's
1: closer to like nine five. <laughs> Ooh, shank.
0: Okay, so what do you do here? All right, you shank to the opposite side of the court. Yeah. What you happens? Jab now? pass, right? Kind of jab at it. Catches me high in my midline. Um, the key here is I. So I still want to step back and give myself room. That's something and that's Stein don't
1: chase him up. because he's in trouble. Like he's diving for the set. You're not going to chase right. him and help.
0: Don't. Yeah. Don't follow your partner because then you'll be under the ball and blind you this situation happens more than anyone will be willing to admit that they pass a little bit fast or outside of an in-system pass and then they they get anxious and charge the ball so the key is step back and stay behind it because you almost want to treat it as if hey if I get a back row ball like let's go back to like an indoor analogy if I get like a pipe or a (coughs) d-ball and able I want to be prepared and have approach to maximize that which also goes back to what we talked about earlier, our approach distance. Now, no matter what, on the net, off, high, low, like I can either speed up, slow down, but I always keep the ball in front of me on my right arm. And that's, that's the goal. And
1: Jake, I mean, in this moment, Jake, the, the, like going back to what we just said, like he doesn't have time here to hear you say something, let it register, and right. then decide that that's the location that he has to get it to. He just needs to remember the last place he saw your body. Right. And here so now yeah, he who loses was, you? Yeah. So now, yeah. like the last place that he remembers you is here. So his job is to lay it on your right shoulder because that's his last vision of you, even if you don't say anything. Right. And he does pretty much exactly that.
0: Exactly that. Yeah. Step close and have an approach to get to get try to to hold and block. Oh, another four.
1: So you were doing this all game. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: And scoop. Just a little. Yeah, try, yeah. I had a tendency. Of, you know, we we had played it so much that we kind of knew what timing we needed to be confidently running a four on him, and it worked out more often than not. Okay. Oh jeez. Okay. Wow. Okay, okay oh. big boy. <laughs> <Jeez>. A little <laughs> tap. <in that>
1: <laughs> Look at that vertical.
0: <laughs> that's a toe dragger. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hair over, though. Jeez, it wasn't even
1: fine. Good penetration,
2: yeah. And your arms are touching the back line. Yeah, I just forced it.
1: <laughs> hey, do you think that this might be a dangerous – I mean, so Jake, from the line, serves Hayden's line, who, and Hayden's like an on-two looking nonstop for on-two. Yeah. But you decided to serve that line, and I know that Hayden would want to just chuck this over here to try if he gets a if he gets an ball. And, yep. and you have Jake running down that sideline. Does that feel, again, against offensive, but does that feel like you've left something open there?
0: I think at this point, we we had uh, gone and tried a few times. Um, and we talked about kind of adding a wrinkle and just throwing in a different uh, tempo, mentality, and like feeling by changing our service location and kind of the, the angle of the ball. And we were willing to take a chance. We had talked about, we always have a plan about tries on two and who's responsible for what. So if it happened, we were okay with it. We were already ready. But we wanted to test John and see where he's at. Because sometimes if you don't go to a guy a few times, they get a little jabby like I did in that play earlier where I kind of shank a pass. And so that was we're kind of playing on that in that moment. Cool. All
1: right. And you went to John again, and you got another one
0: here. Does he go on two here? No, he sets.
1: That's a fast cut shot right there.
0: Yeah, Johnny doesn't really hit that soft little touch one very much. He just slaps it. Yeah, he kind of high fives the ball. Yeah, it's funny.
1: You and John's wrist are like completely opposite. <laughs> yeah. You're like super carvy, you know, your hand like cuts around the sides of balls. And his just like takes from whatever side he wants it. Like he hits it dead on. No yeah. No side spin. Almost
0: like he like open hand tips it sometimes. mm like those little line taps, it's like, boop. <laughs> oh. I want to see that again. You call that, I used to call that the ex-girlfriend shot. My shot here in transition. I'll tell you why. Oh, <laughs> perfect set. Just super easy, loopy line. And we call that, I call that the ex-girlfriend because it's like the one that always comes back to haunt you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, oh that's great. In that right now,
0: In your hand and you want it back. You're just like, don't hit it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
1: Jake's here. okay, so here Jake does this step in, right? He steps in, but steps back at the same time. Yeah, I want everybody to pay attention. like um here's Gib. He passes from right here where he was standing, but then he moves towards Casey. And then that step backwards right there. Yeah. A little bit extra space.
3: Oof.
1: Way to be attention item.
0: Yeah, geez. Free ice cream cone. Boop. It's a good dig. Do it again? Oh, that's a t- that's not a great <laughs> that worked out. That wasn't that, I should have never done that, but that was me feeling a little bit overconfident and you know, a little bit showboaty. That I would suggest not making that shot. <laughs> That's one of those in the minute, in the moment, feeling the flow a little bit, and like kind of twisting a knife. Like it was kind of a lot of those things all combined. Don't shoot, high line on an open net. What? Yeah, yeah.
1: Look at this nice scoop here on rally. Did you read that? Um, or you just knew that Jake
0: was taking one side of the court or what? Jake always was taking the side of John John's side, so that cross, that he didn't have to do extra work, and okay. I always had the cut back. Okay. it's nice. So you set that rule before you started playing.
1: You said uh, – Yeah. We keep going back to defense, but you set that rule before you start playing. You're like, okay, since since Chai likes to go on two a lot, you're always going to have this side of the court for on two.
0: Exactly. So we don't have to
1: think about it for the whole match.
0: Absolutely. Let's let's be as free as possible in our mind, understanding what we're responsible for so that we can react versus like, I don't know what, what's line, what's angle. It's like just that side. You just have that side of the court.
3: Cool. I like that. So wait, this is go back. This is off of a serve
2: uh, transition free ball here.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. I think
2: oh, this Giants is that same rally. Court. Wow.
0: I think I hit it off try, so he has to go over.
2: And then you got the option ball, the jump set. Oh,
0: But I think that's a fun, that was a fun rally. I think what helped me sell that with try, because try recovered from that way better than I was hoping, <laughs> I, I backed up and got an approach and called. I made a call like I wanted to attack the ball. Okay. So I was really – I wasn't just saying – you know, hey, I wasn't just standing there. I was proactive. Look at that. I'm getting, like, kind of a gather step. I'm coming in, like, as hard as I can. Big double arm lift. And then I'm able to kind of get him to bite a little bit. Or yeah. if I wouldn't have done that, he probably would have just gone right over to Jake and been able to be more effective as a blocker.
1: Ooh, good pursuit by the big boy. The big nasty. Look at this. All the way up until, like, at least a whole nother quarter of the court after he – uh after he blocks. Yeah, that's I great love game. blockers who pursue balls behind them. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So um just for for people who are beginners and intermediates, most right-handed left sides, once they pass, your job is then to create good space for your right arm, your shoulder, your hitting arm. So after he passes in the middle, Casey right here, he does this little shuffle outside. Not because he wants an outside set, but because he wants the ball on his right shoulder and he needs space to come back in. So most people they like a setter in the beginning, I think intermediate players, they'll see this move outside and they'll think that you're moving outside. So they'll set you to the pin. Instead, right. Casey's just creating more space for his right shoulder so that he has a bigger power window. Would that be uh how it's you would exactly explain it? What it is.
0: Oh, it's two cutties he's got me on. not working. There's that
1: space again, All right? Boom, pass. He's got space, but he adds more. Uh, do you have, like, a, a certain width, Casey, that you would coach? Um, like, would you go 10 feet, 15 feet of width? What do you need? Or are you trying to angle something? Like, do you aim at the back of the court somewhere?
0: Yeah, I think I think every left sider needs to be almost facing if they can get to a point where they're almost facing that deep corner in the angle, because that's, you want to sell that first and foremost before anything else you want to have that as your like number one option, that high aggressive swing angle. Then it sets you up to be able to see better, keeps the ball on your right side. Then you're able to make any sort of adjustment with the information you're given after that point. So it's basically like, a perfect way of gathering information now i came in maybe a little early right and got caught under it because i wanted to come in extra hard and by that time i got stuck underneath the ball so maybe i should have kicked out a little bit more
1: you thought whoa you thought maybe more
0: i mean i think maybe you're just early
1: like this is space thank you Yeah, that step closed. Maybe you just overran it because the wind has got to be going towards the houses right
0: now, right? It Has to be because I I I went really far under that. Must
1: yeah. It couldn't have been you.
0: Got to blame the wind. One hundred percent. that's the old Wilson ball, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Didn't have the spin detection. Yeah, look at the flags. It's for sure the flag. There's the wind blowing up. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Um. Cool. So, guys, if you have questions for the end,
1: uh, we are going a little bit long, but we got to let Casey go. He's got phone calls and, and, and uh, social media accounts to run.
2: we we got to play the last point.
1: Oh, we will. Yeah. We definitely okay, will. Okay,
2: cool. Our last last
0: like, three points. Those are I want to
2: see, see the exciting look in your face when you relive the winning moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but, guys, I, I want you to, like, if you have questions, I want you to go ahead and use that Q&A. But I'm just going to run a couple more polls here um for uh just for our knowledge so we do sell online courses at bitter at beach we have a setting course a hitting course an attack uh, an attacking course a serving course we have a 60-day strength training program but we want to know what type of like pricing models you guys actually want to see do you want to pay one time like a larger one time uh subscription would you like rather a small monthly subscription just to see if you can test the waters and get used to it? Or do you want a medium price, like yearly subscription? Because the way that we do it, every one of our courses, it grows every couple of weeks. So like we're talking about attacking with Casey Patterson right now, after about a month, month and a half, when we finally get it edited and chopped up into like little bites that goes on to the end of one of our attacking courses. Anytime that Casey here mentions like setting, we take that little chunk and we put it at the end of a setting course. So the courses that we have on betteratbeach.com, they never stop growing. Like a one-time m- monthly price means that you're if you buy that course today, it's going to be completely different in six months and it's going to be way thicker and bigger. So we just want to know like what models you guys are more comfortable with so that we can make it as easy as, as high for you guys to to get them and to subscribe to our courses and then hopefully casey we can do a little uh a full-on course with you at some point and then yeah you can be selling your own course with us and that would be there you go awesome if you're into it so um i'm gonna leave that poll open for 10 more seconds just let me know if you want the small little monthly subscriptions if you want a medium yearly subscri- subscription price or if you would just rather buy it once and be done with it and then it grows with you for the rest of your time Looks like small monthly chunks is the winner. Cool. Ending that. Thank you, guys. (coughs) And then there should be one more question. Online resources you would use. And again, we're going to give this to to Casey as well because um, we're content driven. We have to be for the nature of the sport right now. So I'm going to launch a poll that says what types of online resources would you guys use? And like, would you like to see Casey run on his own, us to run on our own? You want live training with question and answer? pre-recorded skill courses, skill course bundles, workout programs, drill books, drill apps, skill courses that have live online coaching. Like, would you want to take a hitting course where you get to meet with Casey once every two weeks with a big group, you know, online where he's, you know, he gives you your next set of homework, but he also checks in on your work or written blogs and drill videos and tutorial videos. So just let us know in those polls and Q&As, fill them up. We still have a ton of people here, so we're going to go a little bit longer. Casey, what time do you have until?
0: Um, what time is it now? I got to about 1.45. People are going to stay here
1: with you as long as they stayed with Damo. Then we can keep going because, uh, like I said, we're going to chop this up. and you'll have, You can share it on your Instagram if you want, and uh, we'll definitely post it on YouTube. Casey, go ahead and write. Do you have the link to it? I have the link to it. The YouTube. So, guys, if you are not subscribed to Casey on YouTube, I'm writing it in the chat right here please go follow him. You know how awesome he is. And uh, it's just another channel where he's reaching out and he talked about how important it is to reach out to fans and to interact with him. So he has such an appreciation for you and he understands that. So go and subscribe to him. And while you're there, I'm posting our YouTube channel as well. Make sure you guys are subscribing. Every little bit of subscriber costs you nothing, but it makes our lives so much better and so much easier when we approach sponsors so that we can get you discounts. Like you give us a free subscription, you subscribe to our channel. It makes us stronger to approach companies and get discounts for cool stuff. And then we share those discounts with you. So you invest nothing and you save money in the end. It's, it's worth it, it helps us out and there's no harm in doing it. So go ahead and, and just subscribe there. And of course, uh, I'm just posting Casey's Instagram and Facebook profiles just in case you guys want to head out before the next section of this course here and please Subscribe to us on Instagram as well. Go ahead. Take that 30 seconds to go do that Then come on back and let's uh, let's wrap up this this hitting course for a little while Uh, Casey do you want to keep talking about the match or do you want to answer a couple of of the questions that uh, our people are posting? here?
0: Yeah, let's let's do some questions. Let's uh, see what people are interested in hearing about little bit of interaction all right
1: that's the share to our poll so casey just in case you're wondering people want some drill videos
0: oh okay i like it
1: and they do like the pre-recorded skill courses um that's good because we've got four of them up already we already have a hitting course a setting course a serving course and a passing course and they do want workout programs but drill videos another big interest you know, that might be because it's my audience, right? You know, like we brought a lot of people here from Better Beach and they're used to us, like they right. became fans because they love our drill videos. But yeah. who knows? Maybe that might be a big answer. All right, so Casey, Nick asks, what are your favorite shots?
0: I'd say one of my favorite shots, whether it's on the left or the right, we talked about a little bit um, in the beginning of this match and how I want, wish I would have hit it, is a maximum approach, three-quarter swing to a sideline. Those are my favorite ones because that sets you up for the rest of the match if you're able to hit those speeds where it's a maximum approach with a, a good hand-controlled speed that's faster than a shot but not a full swing that, that's giving your defense too much information. I feel like if you can play in that world, uh, it, makes, it makes it a lot easier for yourself over a long period of time to be able to hit uh, effectively.
1: So, a straight down, so it's definitely a down swing, but it's yeah. not like because.
0: Like that one. That one was slow, but that was close, right? I wanna come in, max effort, big approach. I kind of torqued on purpose there, but that's that speed. I wanna have it in my hand for a longer period of time as if I'm gonna hit as hard as I can, but then finish it off with some control. Okay. It's the hardest for a blocker to read and for a defender to get.
1: I feel like Try is an absolute master at that.
0: Like, yes, he's very good in that world of those like the 50 speeds of pop
1: and always speed. And he'll he'll go for a while without even like touching a ball defensively. And it's man practicing yeah. against a uh, Hayden and Try back in the day, and then like a little bit of of Hayden and Theo when you go through their side out practice, like it's their turn for 10 free balls in a row, and you touched one of them and you're like what, why am I even do I I have no idea how to play volleyball like if I can't
0: even touch this." <laughs> yeah exactly
1: okay so uh Aussie we got an Aussie here uh what are your go-to things to change momentum against different teams so like two things that you do when you're losing to change the momentum what would what would your best uh, strategies be
0: Yeah, let's say, let's put ourselves in the situation where we're probably serving because they're siding out at will and we're on defense. And uh, a lot of times we overthink that because we feel like that has to be the answer. So maybe like that scenario there, I got to serve super tough. Well, to be honest, the number one thing I do is I want to put that team in a position where they aren't comfortable or less comfortable. So let's say I haven't served middle from the indoor areas from like area one to area six. I haven't served that in the last set and a half. Maybe I'm going to do that. I'm going to give them something that they haven't seen for a while or that I know they're not as confident in, or I'm going to serve short sideline. I want to immediately throw a different Stafford. And I call that a wrinkle mm-hmm. uh, with other partners. I'd call it something else, but that, I liked wrinkle a lot with Stafford is that we throw a wrinkle at them you have to change the aura, mentality, and the feeling of the match with something different. And something that is great that you do, Mark, is maybe that's time to hit a skyball. You know what I mean? Like, it's just something, even if it doesn't go in, it changes, like, the aura of the match. They're like, oh, skyball, okay. Everyone, like, everything changes. The timing of the guys watching your ball and going to pass. Their approach look. Everything is just thrown off a little bit. And that's a wrinkle. So I think having those... Uh, as a team, to be able to implement when you don't feel like things are going your way, those work really well.
1: How soon before you throw in a wrinkle or a change of strategy? Like, does somebody have to side out three times in a row, four times in a row? Do you have to go untouched? Like, do they have, you know, where
0: you're... I think it's it's an untouched scenario where there are three, four, five plays in a row. You're like, dude, let's, we got to throw a wrinkle in. a lot of good guys, like Hayden does a good job of keeping you on the hook. Like, hey, you're kind of close, but not really. Like, he'll let you touch it. Or, he'll, like, he'll hit it off of you softly on purpose. Be like, yeah, dude, keep serving me. You're, you're almost there. When in reality, you're not. So, <laughs> yeah. like, he's playing the game. And so, I think, um, you know, with specific guys, those, wr- those times of throwing wrinkles are different. I think knowing okay. your opponents is helpful in that scenario.
1: Okay. Would you ever throw a wrinkle? while you're winning like if something's working you've gotten four digs in a row do you change it to keep them off balance or do you um just like keep hitting the money button
0: yeah i think i think i would um for me especially on serving maybe not so much on offense but on serving i would throw in like hey i've been bombing my jump serve um it's been working effectively but we switch sides maybe i just throw a deep float that's a little bit high that fills that time where they're used to getting the ball quickly and making a decision. Now they've have to prep their distance of their approach is different. Their pass trajectory is different. I feel like that that's a good time to throw in a wrinkle if you're winning. I like that.
1: I like that for really high level players, guys, where it's easy for somebody to get into like a rhythm and they look like they're doing something clockwork. But if you're out there winning or playing in like a B tournament an A, a double A, and you know that every time you serve them, you give them the same lollipop and they pass to a completely different zone and they get a completely different set every time, they're not really in a rhythm anyway. So if I were to coach like that moment, like they haven't established a routine of they can control the pass to one place, control set to one place and hit the same shot untouched. So then I would say you don't need that change. But when you feel like a professional or somebody super high quality, they're just doing the same thing and it looks the exact same every time and they're taking your ass. Change something. Yeah. Um, even, even maybe before they they decide to uh to adjust to whatever you're doing. Uh okay, arm swing. Also, you mentioned about arm swings. Is that the same mindset for indoor volleyball too? DJRs, I'm not, could you uh ask that question again? I'm not quite sure for you. Uh, question for Casey is, how can you effectively and fastly learn to look um, before the jump when you attack? So how do you learn to look?
3: And, I think uh, Brandon,
1: can you take over? I got to go uh, for a second.
3: Yeah, I'm here.
0: <laughs> Leave the door open. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, what was the question again? It was, oh, looking, uh, looking. Yeah, I think uh, court vision is something that, a lot of people have their own version of and get confused on what that is. To be honest, court vision is that preparation of a big approach and using your per- peripheral, that's probably 80% of your vision. And then that look is almost just like a, a timestamp type check. Like, okay, I'm just, a, just a quick look. It's more for the defense than anything. I'm not actually looking to be like, where are they? That's where they're going to be when I attack. It's more just to give them like, hey, I see where you're starting. Now I'm going to use my peripheral the rest of the time to make sure that if you move, you adjust, you dive one way or the other, the, the defender makes a fake or stays home. Like I'm using my peripheral to see the entire time. And that look is more of just like a, hey, I'm letting them know that I'm keeping my eye on them just to throw some stress their way. It's basically a stress look like, hey, dude, I see you. Okay. Now I'm going to go and attack and still continue to look.
2: at you. Yeah. And setting yourself up for that. <clears throat> I really like what you said about um, the movie theater analogy. I, oh, I think yeah. that that's perfect because everyone knows what it feels like to sit in, in, the, in the front row of a movie theater of a movie that you're really looking forward to. Like now you can reserve seats, but like when we yeah. were growing up, like you just had to get what you got. And yeah, exactly. those were always terrible. And that's the exact feeling you get when you're underneath the set, right? You're looking right. straight up. All you can see is a ball. But if you're sitting in the back, then when you're watching the movie, you can see that person three rows down to your right. That phone opens up. You right. Know? And it's right. kind of the same idea when you're thinking about attacking is if you allow that movie theater screen to be in front of you, then you're going to be able to see that defender make that little move. And you might not be looking at that person directly, but you are going to be able to see them that little movement and it's not right. going to change your eye, your eye focus, but it'll allow you to help make a decision. I think.
0: Exactly. I, that's a perfect analogy. You see the movie here, the guy's phone comes on over here and you can see it while watching the movie. You know what I mean? Like that's right. Exactly what court vision is to me. That's awesome. I love that. Um
2: I'm just getting the <laughs> what just happened. Did
0: we have we have so
2: many people. Hey guys, um I love the fact that we're getting a lot of questions, but make sure that we're putting use the QA for the questions, not the chat, because now we're just getting overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> let's uh mark are you back yeah oh sweet welcome back um i don't i don't really know where you were on the q a it just keeps growing um
1: how can i break the bad habit of being under the ball when i hit
2: i think we kind of we kind of just talked about that with the movie screen cool keep yourself
1: back far distance
0: yeah and i think that's probably the most common question and problem also when problem as professionals, even that we try to eliminate, get it coming in early. When you're anxious, you want to sight out, you want to force it to happen. Everything's different. You talked about that earlier. Every muscle fiber is reacting differently. Testosterone is flowing. There's people watching and everything is faster and stiffer and quicker and your mind just doesn't process it calmly. Uh, and smoothly like you want it to. So I think avoiding yourself coming early is one, a big approach, and then two, I always tell myself, get the ball on your way up versus on your way down, right? That's a big indicator. If you're almost landing and hitting a shot, it's most of the time when you're hitting the net or you're getting stuffed or you're shooting out, so that's a great self-check. Was I on my way down? Oh, okay, I was early. Mm. Um, so I always tell myself, get it on my way up. Keep hearing more and more and more players saying,
1: hit the ball on your way up, hit the ball on your way up. And it's funny for like the people who are saying like, I can't get my timing. I'm always so early. How do I stop that? I go, that is one thing that you will hear every single match all the way from like the, the yeah. be- most beginner tournament all the way to this championship court. Like, shoot, I'm early. Wait. Yeah, for sure. You know, you're going to battle true. it every day for the rest of your life. So just <laughs> start it now. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of
2: Um, vision questions.
1: Any tips to consistently hit off the net or from
0: unfavorable positions? Um, Yeah, I think this goes to a mindset that I like to have starting off a match. If I'm going to play Brandon and Mark, I know that they're going to grovel. They're going to grind. They're going to work hard. They're going to try to out-hustle me. So in my mind, before we even play you, I'm accepting the fact that this is going to be really hard. No matter how well I've been training or how good I think I am or how many times I've we've played and you've beaten me or i've beaten you that all of a sudden i'm going to understand and accept that it's going to be hard okay so now i'm in the right mindset it's going to be hard so that means i'm putting in the work and i'm i've put my mind and body into a place where i'm going to work hard no matter what and i don't have an expectation of dude i better beat you guys 21 16 or it was an awful match you know that's embarrassing i didn't beat these guys or they didn't beat me you know what i mean like you always have like this specific expectation before you play a type of team. Yeah. no matter who it is, or if it's a nil and fix, uh, a fill and nick, dude, I hope we can just pull it out in three. Well, if you think that way, then you're just like, dude, what, what are you even doing on the court? So accept that it's going to be hard and then play your game with your partner. So that goes back to how I approach kind of a lot of these skills and uh, the mentality around the game is accept that it's going to be hard. And then anything else that happens that's positive. You're just like, sweet, dude, that's just, that's just gravy. That's just the, the frosting, the sugar on top. That's the cherry. You know what I mean? Like I'm now I can feed off those. The are elaborate. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, <laughs> I got Sundays so at the Patterson I, house are amazing. I already forgot what the question was. because was It was, t- how do you attack from
1: unfavorable positions? <laughs> <laughs> like when you're off the net.
0: Yeah, it's perfect. So understanding that, hey, this is going to be hard. I'm going to get sets from all over the place. I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to trust what I've done in training. I'm going to have a big approach. I'm going to focus on maintaining my step close and going to the ball. I've trained that. I've got a big approach. I always have a a window of of opportunity, and I'm going to step close to the ball on my way up. Now, my favorite balls to attack indoor as an opposite were those ones that were out of system. And I would come in like a freight train and just absolutely bury them because in system, everyone can play well. Training the ones that are bad and getting good at those and looking forward to those. I always look forward to like a dig and then having my partner running down a ball. And I used to even tell Jake, this is going to be fun as he's running for a ball. Because (laughs) I was so excited to try to prove that I could put this ball away that I initially started with a positive mentality in that situation versus a, oh, crap, he's 60 feet away. I hope I can just keep this ball in.
3: You Mm -hmm. know what I mean?
0: I was like, oh, I'm gonna absolutely bury this. You know what I mean? Or I'm gonna really use this three quarter high smooth swing and carve and hit a sideline and we're gonna win. Like, that's how I approach it. Positive mentality, big approach, give myself room and have fun. Do, Sorry, you, that- do you take anything off? Do you go harder, softer, flatter,
1: sharper, like when you get a set that's say at like 10, 11, 12 feet? So, so for people who have unreliable yeah. setters and they always get set off the net, like what's your advice to, to a young player? who has to deal with all those offsets and bad sets.
0: The key is to use your hand control, stay behind the ball, and hit those, those speeds we've talked about it so many times now, those in-between speeds. Not a full shot, not a 100% swing, but those controlled elite-level swings where you're, you're carving the ball and hitting a deep middle or a sideline. And that lets you stay tall, smooth, and in control. If you tense up and try to swing, you bury it in the net or hit it out. If you hit a shot, it's too easy to see, and guys are going to take advantage of it. So, in transition, what made me successful over my career was being able to hit that exact high, smooth, carve attack uh, in those situations. I like that. Yeah, because I
1: think people have like a, like an X or an O. Like they have a hundred percent swing, yeah. where they consider like it's hard, or they have a shot and it's got this like arc to it where it goes yeah. way up and way down. It's like there are a lot of percentages in between that you need on that. A shot is not at 10% and loopy and a swing doesn't always have to mean that it's just like you detonating. It's, you know, what do you need to be accurate? What do you need to be under control?
0: Yeah. I love it. That's exactly what goes through my mind with every one of those types of attacks or that situation. Um, So Maria, you talked about uh, the, Uh, three fours and
1: fives like the different types of blocker calls we're not going to go through that during this webinar but there is a if somebody could find it go ahead and find it and post it in the chat but the mckibbons have a great video called defense explained on youtube and it's got you know what a line means what a one means a two a three and a four and it's a great youtube video it's on the mckibbons channel so go ahead right over there And um, you can watch that after this, and that explains all the defensive calls.
3: Um,
1: We'll take one more question from this, and then we'll get back to a little bit of game film where we can analyze it from you. But uh, Casey, when defending a hard-driven
0: ball, do you want to have a short reflex-like contact or a long contact on the ball? I think that's going to change with where the attacker is and the distance from you. Um, I I would say the answer to that would just be having your – your ready position and your structure leading up to that dig be identical whether you're going to make a long contact because you've got more time and the ball's traveled longer or if it's like a quick attack and it's right in your lap. But I think um, just having those forearms up facing the sun, palms facing the sun so that no matter if it's a long contact or quick one, that ball and the angle of your arms gets that ball to go up so you can make a play. I think that would be how I'd answer that in a way. I'm not sure exactly, but... That would be my mentality around it. We got a question. How uh Casey,
1: how afraid were you to face the pink flamingo team at the SmackFest tournament last October?
0: <laughs> <laughs> did I? I don't think I've ever You even SmackFest? I, I, I haven't think. played. So I played in the first Smackfest ever that had the Pro Division. I played oh. with Mike Lambert, with uh who was Brittany Hochever was on my team. Um, who else? Uh, it was uh, Paul Baxter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I haven't played in a long time. But they—I was probably really scared of them. Is that Troy's team, or was that my team? That um, was our team. <laughs> <laughs> I was really scared. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, last question because I
1: really like this one. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for getting involved with the Q and A, and thanks for sticking around this long. But uh, what do you do to keep yourself in check months after changing a habit? So it's often that somebody, David here, he gets good advice. He changes his habit for two to three months, like works on it. But then he finds himself reverting back to what like his, he's used to and where his body is comfortable. Yeah. And I, you know, I've experienced this too, Casey. So I'm wondering how you battle it. But like I have this big back arch that my body likes to naturally go into and it affects my vision and it makes my shot really slower. So the last two years I've focused heavily on like keeping my chest upright, not leaning back. And having a shorter, quicker arm swing instead of leaning back. But my body's like natural instinct is to, to go back to that 10, 11, 12 years of that big slinky arm swing. So when you make a change, how do you make it stick?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest part of being able to find that the tool to fix that again would be when you're doing it right. What is that feeling and can you remember it? And then what are the mental cues that you have leading up to that specific skill? Because I guarantee you, you're probably not thinking about that anymore. And then you recognize that you did it the old way again. And then you have to go back into, okay, what did I used to do in that situation? And so I think being very self-aware is the answer for all of these skills. When we start to do things wrong. We go directly into, all right, I'm going to make sure I stay back on my approach and get it on my way up. That's how I answer every offensive problem for myself. And then I end up doing really well and finding myself comfortable doing it the correct way again. So okay. I would say having something that significantly resonates with your mind that helps your body go through that process again versus like, oh, I'm doing it wrong and then you just don't know what to do to get back.
1: Oh, okay, so like a, like a key, like a one-word name They just like say to flip on whatever that that one word means. You know, like you say flamingo, and to you, that means like keep your head forward or something.
2: Yeah. Um, Don't play. I'm not sure uh, what the final score was,
0: but we're getting close. Oh, yeah. This is my new deposit. (laughs) Right. I think they had 1312 on us on the side switch. And then, is this when the freeze was in? No, there's no freeze. No freeze
1: at this point. Okay. No freeze. So, so I think they have match point here. So match point for trying, John. Let's go from, wait, is that 14? That's
2: 12-13 right now. Got it.
0: Okay, thank you. And this is a that was a good point because I think I hit that ball on two out, but John is right in the way and it hit him. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucked out on that one. So you got the double four called
1: at 13-13. So a four is when Jake is going to allow the line hit to happen, and he's going to reach into the cross at the last minute. And that usually means the defender runs the high line shot.
0: Yes. I'm giving up the swing and getting the shot. So we're waiting, 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 waiting. And then once you can't see you anymore is when we make that decision. Ooh.
1: Looks mm-hmm. like it was the right call. Just missed. Ugh. Do you, I mean, to me, you know, when I see this now, of course, um, and it's tough in the moment, but this looks like something that Jake could have reached over and grabbed.
0: Yeah, and that's something we get stuck in as players, right? Like, hey, it's a four call. I kind of, you almost put yourself in a cage where that's all you're really doing versus being able to maybe bounce out of it and take what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, his positioning and timing is Pretty perfect. And I think I would prefer him doing that versus trying to reach back maybe high and and get that, because then that just leaves so much room for try to swing there. And then we'll start to chase him and then we're all over the place. And now we're screwed. I'd rather trust him with that timing and getting close. I like to I like we like to call it just affecting plays. If you're in a blocker that's touching a lot of balls but not blocking, that's okay. You're affecting plays, which means that hitters, you're on that hitter's mind. Whether or not you're scoring points or not, which over the long run that's going to benefit you and your partner, and I think that spins a negative thought from a blocker like Ah, dang it, too. Okay, I'm right there. I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer.
1: And he was what two, two inches from so close. Shut down. Yeah. If try hits that, you know, half a centimeter in his hand differently, that's that's over. I'm not
0: really even sure what swing that is with that That's block lineup. <laughs> trying to tool Jake and just go high middle, almost it looked like. Yeah. Match point. Uh oh. Match point. Wow. So we hadn't run like a tempo one in the middle for a while, but we'd been practicing it. So Jake came in for like a two ball in the middle. Wait, a match point? <laughs> like, most
1: crucial time you chose to do something different.
0: This is the wrinkle that we threw in. He's like, we kind of talked about it. I'm like, dude, what do you think? The middle ball? He's like, let's go for it.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Because if you think about it, they hadn't played defense against it the whole time. So yeah. just as much as it's uncomfortable for you, it's just as uncomfortable for them. Like they had a plan. They have an on two option. They're like, okay, Casey's going to go on two here. This is my responsibility. Jake's going to get this approach. This is our responsibility. Where you throw that in then they're like, whoa, it's just a panic button, right? mm mm-hmm. that's that's
1: amazing and I don't think a lot of the players I don't know if I have the confidence of like match point I I go to do what works um and what I, like I've been comfortable doing instead of thinking like how do I change it to make sure that they're off balance and I wreck their plan right now because you know they came up with a plan for sure they probably my job is to obliterate that plan and then get the kill yeah That's, that's great. All right. So his second pass kind of off the net, right? Two passes where he passed almost behind half court, forced himself into a low vision situation. And we're running a four again. Yep. Three in a row here.
0: Do you like your timing here? Or is this too early for you? As he's looking, I'm going, which for me is not great, but here's the deal. This goes back to what we talked about. Jake affected that last play. He almost blocked Tri. Now Try is more worried about Jake than he is about me. And this is where trusting your partner in that timing and that process is going to pay, pay off in the long run. Now I luck out and I tomahawk one because I, oh, I overran it. It was so obvious of what we were doing. Um, but that's because we trusted each other that play before we didn't score i've been I've been kind of debating like what to do on this run
1: line. like if you if you wait until contact, you're gonna need to sprint. But if you feel yourself getting early for me, I almost want to turn my move into like a sort of shuffle so that if he fluffs this ball middle, yes, at least I have a chance of
0: recovering like this when you're fully committed to that side. angle. I hundred percent agree with you. And that's something that I constantly implemented in defense for me is to not be so committed on my uh, plays to the ball. Mm. Be more of like a floater where I'm neutral and able to bounce out and react back if he would have gone high off Jake's hands. If he would have, I would have been screwed there. Right. Yeah, because if, if
1: you are anticipating he hits a high line, you can shuffle into that and lightly be there. Like yes. You didn't Absolutely. need to be sprinting to that sideline. Ooh, look at this one.
0: Yeah, I was just going high middle on this one. I'm like... I'm not taking any chances thumper. (laughs) And for those of you, like for those people who are, who are
1: thinking about angles and everything, this, this, I only started thinking about this maybe three, four years ago when I started working with Evie, that there is more angle than just generic angle at John's chest right here. Yeah. There are, there's short cutty, there's long cutty, there's sharp chop cross, there's jumbo, there's okay, hitting John in the face. And then there's the middle cross right but there's like there's a lot of different types of crosses that I think people need to embrace a little bit more so that this ball gets untouched like Casey hits right here the seam cross which is between the blocker who's committed to the line and between John who's has to be in the middle of
0: his court there yeah because I mean as a defensive team how bummed are you on that like you're in two really good positions you're taking your job tries guarding the middle he's taking it John's in the meat, ready to play, and then it's like right in between them both and just like, oh, it's so demoralizing in a way. But well, it kind of looks
2: like you uh, – that set got a little pushed outside you and try got – if you watch his right hand, he, he completely falls for reaching with that right hand, which opened up that seam. Right.
1: Yeah, he had – his left hand had the line. I don't know why yeah. he put his right hand there too. But
2: I mean, I think that's just that's just what happens in the heat of the moment where you're just like, okay, I'm going to grab this ball. And and I think Casey
0: got it too quick. I think also there's a lot of uh, history and tendencies that he's playing off of. Like I loved going high flat line in that situation more often than not. So I think he was making actually a really good educated in the moment play. And I went with something that I didn't normally do. So. I think that kind of also played a role in that whole situation, the inner game.
3: Okay, so you've
1: got a you ran 15, a four, fourteen. Got a block touch, ran a four again, you got a high line dig. We're on defense here. What do we call? Four. So three fours in a row to end the match.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Another sideline serve. Great
1: serve. This is.
3: Oh my god! That slow
1: shuffle into it. Look at okay. So a little bit of step wide, so that it makes try think that the line is even more open.
0: Yes, a little bit more bait. A
1: little bit more bait. Still, I think an early lead, but. (laughs) I
0: I agree, but I think also with the pressure that he's going through right now, Mm -hmm. it. He's a little bit blinded. We yeah. were okay. we, were, we could get away with it a little bit. I agree. Yeah, He's not looking at you at all. No, he's just worried about getting it past Jake. And me going early actually paid off because he went a little quicker.
1: And this is where you go over to Stoke uh. and Dottie and, uh, and all those guys. And Keeter was in that box,
0: I think. Uh, all the legends, dude, just talking the whole time. Get your plaque on the pier, dude. This is your shot. And just the whole match. It was so fun. And uh, talk, talk me
1: through the swing that finishes it here. Um, so you so got the day we talked about the defense. Talk about this, this swing. What are, what's going through your head right now after this day? I'm
0: like, stay back. Don't go early. Just keep that ball in front of you.
1: That's what you were thinking. You weren't thinking, like, <laughs> get, this, get this
0: kill. Get this fucking kill. Sorry. Get oh. this kill. Because Tyler had, I think we called a timeout somewhere near the end of this game. Either they did or we did. And Tyler said, dude when you get your dig, make sure you remember to stay back and let's hit that three quarter angle dart. Love. <sighs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> so wow. That's all I thought about. So on match point gets a
1: dig from Manhattan beach open, gets the dig from match point and says, wait,
0: stay just, back. Yeah. Just wait, stay back. And make sure you run at all the legends in the box behind you. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's amazing so good. Jake's like, whoa, where are you? I'm like, I'm over here, dude. <laughs> uh,
2: There's are Do you have, like, a, a feeling right now of, like, similar to when you won it at all? I'm sure you've watched this oh, game. 100%,
0: dude. Yeah, Like, goosebumps right now. You know, first thing I said is like, I made it, like, I always like to compare, like, the, the plaque on the pier of, like, kind of like the uh, the old ancient Viking heaven, Valhalla. Like, you got to go with all the ancient warriors who died, like, in the heat of battle, <laughs> I was like, I made it, you know what I mean? So like that feeling comes back every time I watch it.
3: That's so
0: awesome, cool. so awesome. Good times. <laughs> Good deal. Hey Casey,
1: we're, um, man, can't thank you enough for, for joining us here. And um, just uh, do you have any partners, sponsors, anybody you wanna shout out, anybody that, um, anything that anybody should do, of course they should follow you subscribe to the youtube channel
0: to be honest first thing is to keep supporting you two guys i think you're doing such a great job in providing so much quality and knowledge and help uh for players at every different level i feel like number one support the players that are currently in this dream life of trying to be a pro that doesn't really pay but we get to like make it happen so i think first of all support you guys i love it i love what you guys are doing um and then like you said earlier mark i feel like by supporting us, it's by like liking and following us and uh, engaging with us so that we're able to provide, you know, affiliate codes and discounts to you guys with all the brands that love and support us. And that's how you kind of support us in a way is that you just kind of help us that way. You're not even really financially supporting us. You're just giving us an opportunity to share our platform. And I feel like that's that's how we have to do it these days. But you know, I've got a list of sponsors that has changed and evolved over the years and everybody's paying less or differently, or you've got to be an online salesman with your affiliate codes, like all that stuff. It's so different. So it all comes back to just the fans and all of us loving the sport and supporting each other. So I don't really shout out anybody, but ourselves as players and you guys as fans, like we're all in it together. And so just like we want to help you by providing these webinars, you guys, Give us feedback and tell us what you need and to be honest that's that's the answer and uh casey i want to thank you
1: personally uh because for for us telling them right now to like reach out you know when i was first coming out to the beach i sent you i probably still have it somewhere but i sent you this facebook message saying like hey man you played pro indoor in sweden i played pro indoor in sweden you went and like now you're an AVP pro do you have any advice and you like way back when you sent me this long message back that I like, couldn't even understand. The only reason I had the marbles to like, send that message was because you had played in the same professional country that I played in. So I was like, maybe he'll think we're a little bit connected. Um, <laughs> and you wrote this massive response back, and were super encouraging. So just wanted to thank her, I guess, always being that awesome. encouraging. And that involves with people who are looking for help and advice.
0: I actually remember that. That's sweet. Stoked yeah. you that up. <laughs> I remember that. Such good times and then we battled in huntington for years yeah (laughs) yeah then we then we moved on to greener
3: pastures
1: (laughs) (laughs) but cool so casey thanks again really appreciate you guys coming guys if you want to stick around with me and brandon for a little bit we're gonna we talk just a little bit to you but i uh, going to let Casey run. Do you, do you have anything that uh that you're getting into in the next week or month? Like what's your plan for the next week?
0: Just trying to stay in shape, lifting hard, and then, you know, get random ball touches with the kids. I set up a, a net from Parkinson's in my backyard. They gave me a net. So I got it up and we're doing like pepper over the net and just passing drills and teach them how to serve. So I get I get my own passing drills. So it's been really fun to kind of Get my kids more involved with the sport, so that's what I'm doing. I'll probably be shooting some fun uh, kid, children type tutorials, and then ones that help parents kind of help their kids in a way too. So kind of coaching. The love parents. that idea. So, because uh, that's the world I'm in right now is like parents got to invest. You know, six grand in club volleyball. Will do the. Do they even want to play yet? I don't know. Like, here's some things you can do to help them kind of advance and see if they love it before you commit to full lifetime of volleyball in the gym with whistles so <laughs> like yeah. that's kind of the world i mean right now so i'll be doing a lot of that stuff in the next couple of weeks all right guys um he did mention
1: parkinson net so i'm gonna go ahead and post a link that we have to a- <laughs> that
0: uh yeah i've been doing it forever and they support volleyball they're cool
1: yeah, they do. I'm gonna post that link and it is uh, if you wanna go ahead and, and invest in it, you go ahead and invest in it. But uh, it's an affiliate link, so we might get uh, like a dollar fifty out of it. There you go. <laughs> cool, Casey. Thanks again, man. We will talk to you as soon as hopefully we could run this again because a huge fan base came since we since we got you and the question and answer session has been going on.
0: Sweet. Yeah, let's do it again. We'd love to do it again and then uh, if not, we'll just see you at practice. Cool. See you guys. Yeah, see you soon, man. Thanks a lot. Of course. See you guys later. That was pretty
2: cool. Man, another one. These are uh, every single time we get on, I'm like, "Ah,
1: I don't know if this one's going to be as good as the last one, but they're (laughs) always good. (laughs) Um, The mindset that he's, you know, that like I felt that thing at match point where you finally get your dig and it's match point. And how many thoughts and emotions run through your head? And the one thing that he told himself before he gets his name on the pier, one swing to get his name on the pier, and it's stay back, wait.
2: I, I like, thought about it in my mind when he said that, and my answer was, like, I'm bouncing this over the pier,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> which is probably why my name's not up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man, That's yeah. awesome. That was phenomenal. Absolutely love that patient. All the teamwork talk. I think a lot of people need to hear that because a lot of people are going through this growing pain of of beach volleyball and they think about, they don't think about the fact that in order for them to get better, the people around them have to be there in order to help them get better. You know, so that mindset of, of going in and keeping your partners happy and keeping them productive is, is huge. And it's the easiest way for you to see improvement
1: as well. Right, so underrated, like how to talk to my partner to make them better. We, we say that to our, to our guys in the classes a lot, right, where we're like, hey, you've been hammering him now. You've been telling him what he's done wrong. You've been fixing his technique. You've been telling him that his set is tight. You've been telling him that he needs to keep serves in, just keep it in. And now on match point, you're going to need this guy that you've been kicking sand on for the last hour. You're going to need him to score for you when you have done nothing to help build his confidence throughout that match. And I think Casey just brings up those amazing points of build your player throughout practice, build them throughout the match and find ways to take pressure off of them because you need them. You need that guy to be confident at match points. So stop with all of the corrections, do that in practice, do that in pool play maybe, Mm -hmm. and then get to the point where it's like building time um guys if you are here you guys showed a lot of interest in our attacking course and we have two ways to get access to our attacking course so i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna post them in the link okay
2: and Um, uh nick or especially while you're doing that we had i mean nick uh, was asking about uh he needs some tutorials for kids and so these courses that we built out they're absolutely perfect for that. They are they're complete courses, so you're not only getting the tutorials of how to perform each skill, but you're also getting a little deeper education on how they can be implemented into matches and how you're going to grow. So it's like it's a perfect example for somebody who's a beginner, and it's also a good course for people who like Mark and I who are trying to figure out that 1% that can get you better and win you more points. Because honestly, once you get to a certain point, that's really what you're looking for. Uh, Mark, you can go ahead. I just saw that in the chat and wanted to bring it up. No, absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, people tend to think that like they can't learn anymore from anybody else or they can't learn something online. And guys, if you got something out of this two hours, if you think that your game has improved, imagine like we have a serve receive course that is 19 video lessons like 19 lessons in just our serve receive course and our memberships they bump bundle all of these so i've posted the links to our main draw membership which is includes passing setting serving and spiking and the 60-day strength and conditioning program or you can just buy an individual course for a one-time price and that course just keeps growing with you and that's for 84.99 right here and i've posted those two links so membership by far is going to be your best value um but if you want to just get a lifetime pass to that course and since you are here this isn't our normal price but since you're here we're only using 85 dollars for a course and we spent hours on this and learned for decades and we constantly learn as you see from our colleagues on the AVP and FIBB and we incorporate all of that into a really easy to follow step by step plan to get you better at attacking because we covered a lot this week right just on, on attacking but now it's well what drills should I do to get better at that how often should I do it how many minutes a day how many days a week it's covered in our courses and you can take a look and it's a 30-day money-back guarantee so absolutely no worries if you find that it's not valuable enough for you get the return get the refund and uh, no hard feelings but we also have some sweet swag. Uh, you are welcome for doing the webinars and offering the courses. Absolutely, you can use these for learning indoor as well. Like our setting course, our serve receive course, massively, massively important for learning indoor passing and all of the footwork that we use on the beach for attacking. You need it completely in indoor. It's just beach volleyball players have to be better at doing their footwork. You know, I want to say that, but people are going to attack me but you have to be better and more consistent because you are the person who is hitting every single time. If you get served, there's gonna be no one else to hit and bail you out in that moment. So you guys can go ahead and check those. And if you are interested right now in the strength and conditioning course, it is a 60-day strength and conditioning course. Right now, there's probably nothing you could do aside from in-home drills, online learning, like we're already providing and a 60 day strength program, strength program, which is specific to volleyball players. It's stuff that we wanted, all of these tools that we're giving you guys for free, absolutely wanted you. So if you have any hesitations or any problems, like why you're hesitant, let us know, right? Tell us like, "Ah, I just, I don't know why I would want to, I don't know if I could get better from learning online. If you think you got better right now, from a two hour webinar, like spending it with us. There are so many more hours and access to every webinar that we have ever run and every private video lesson we've ever run within those memberships.
2: We originally designed these courses so that they could be used kind of in implementing them throughout your practices. like, And and that was gonna be a a very good addition to your already training. But especially since we're all stuck inside, Luckily, we were very close to being done with all this stuff when this whole thing hit. But all I've been doing is studying online, watching film, analyzing my game, trying to pick up new skills by watching players that are not myself. And these courses do a really good job of kind of helping you gain knowledge while
3: you can't play.
1: You know, I just want to add, Brandon, like what, because I studied YouTube and I studied by watching players nonstop and without somebody telling me what they were thinking, I was trying to imagine what they were thinking, what rules they were going by. Like, you know, having the ability to hear Casey or, or one of us say, on match point, what is your thought process, right? You can make something up. And keep going on that road, but it might be the complete wrong direction. Just because you see it and you come up, you decide that there's a reason for this. You could be going in a very, very wrong direction. And I know that I personally went in several wrong directions because I tried to come up with my own answers before I worked with my great coaches. And they like brought me back and like, no, 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 you, you need to focus on one thing. And that's it. You know, you don't need to think about these three or four different things. I remember the first time when I was 28 Matt Davis goes, what's your, what is your swing when you're in trouble? And I started like cycling through like, Oh, uh, like, uh, well, what situation, how far off the net I am? He goes, all of the best players in the world have one answer. And what is that answer? You know? And so I had to tell him that, that answer and we came up with it. And I was like, man, I needed one guy. It wasn't even a professional coach, but it was a very experienced player to corral my thoughts and steer me in the right directions that I stopped wasting time. And there's one thing that I that I don't want anybody else to do is to waste as much time as I did trying to come up with their own answers when we're already providing them in these courses.
2: Right. Yeah, we we had that talk a lot last night with Damian, talking about how how much of a difference a coaching environment had with them, and whether you, if you're attending this webinar, you already care enough about the sport. You know what I mean? You're already doing more than a lot of the people that consider themselves to be volleyball players. And if you're at this webinar, you're probably either, either a player or you're a coach. Mm-hmm. And the more information that you can take in as either a player or a coach is going to help you become better at that. Mark and I consider ourselves to be very good coaches. Uh, we've spent a lot of time studying under other people. We still take the opportunity to talk to our coaches that are, can, are still working with us. Whenever we, I know we're, we got work with our arm swings a couple months ago, and it honestly felt more, when I was getting that lesson, I was honestly more worried about gaining the knowledge so that I could teach it more than I could apply it. And I think if you're a coach attending this webinar, it's something where we're trying to provide information for you as well, whether it's how to develop a practice plan, the keys to certain drills, like whenever you show up to a practice, I'm sure Mark would maybe teach a skill completely different than me. Uh, but that idea is going to be very similar. And the, the one thing that is very similar with us is that we do use similar keys.
3: Hmm.
2: Um, and those keys are the things that help you out a lot. And if you're a coach or if you're a player that
1: doesn't know what these keys are, then you're really just delaying your improvement. You know, like, To me, the things are like, why wouldn't I buy a course? Like one of them would be like financial, right? I was like, okay, you know, I'm I'm playing here and it's like, I don't know if if I can afford it, but it's if you're playing tournaments or you're coaching, how much are you willing to invest in actually winning that tournament? Because if you're already putting down forty dollars, twenty dollars for a tournament and we're charging eighty bucks, like you're playing two tournaments and you're getting your ass kicked when the answers to winning are right here for the the cost of two tournaments when you can't even play a tournament right
2: now. I know for me, like I moved out to California and I got bit by the bug of the South Bay where you go out a lot and everyone's friendly and you want to go out and have fun with your friends. And I had to sit, I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what, what's more important to you? Is it getting better at beach volleyball or is it going out and having fun? You know, because let's say I was spending... $100 a week at the bar, you know, I could take that $100 and I could pay a coach. So I think that that's a really easy way to look at it. You know, there's probably some things that you're doing in your life right now that are holding you back and you know it, but it's just realizing that and kind of being able to make a decision and say, hey, I'm tired of just calling myself a volleyball player. It's time for me to be one. And I think that that's pretty big. Um, And once you can kind of do that, it's going to it's gonna help you out in the long run for
1: sure. Um, some, somebody asked, somebody's asking right here, Area 51 is asking uh, if we have the passing and the blocking one too. So uh, we don't have the blocking one up yet or the defense one up yet. Those are super in depth um, and detailed. And what we do have is passing, setting, hitting, and serving plus the 60 day strength and conditioning program. And that's just all in the rising star. All right, so that's just thirty-five bucks a month for as long as you want to use it. And again, what you buy today is going to be twice as strong in three, four, five months when we continue to add all of the lessons to it. So those those never stop. And if you ever get bored and you and you think you've learned enough from them, well, then it's time to, for you to come out to a camp um, at Bali Camp Promosa for seven days. We run seven-day training camps in California. So as soon as this nonsense is done, uh, definitely come and visit us. But yeah, serving, passing, setting, and hitting are all in the Rising Star membership. And it's just 35 bucks. How much would you pay to have a lesson from a national team coach, right? From a professional player for one lesson. In person, we charge 90, right? And that's the cheapest around, <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah, um, so if, if you're looking at this and you're just like questioning, you know, is it worth it? How, how worth it would it be for you to set 50% of your balls better because you had one key, you know, to pass all those better. How much would it be worth it for you to stop getting knocked out in pool play? You know, just because you learn the simple keys that are going to give you those points for everything.
2: So Patrick is asking, does the main draw include all the stuff or all the stuff found in the rising star? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes. So does. Does. with the, um, the, The Rising Star has the courses for passing, setting, serving, and attacking. It also has the 60-day workout program, right? Yeah. And the main draw membership includes all of that plus our complete video analysis library in which that's not only are you getting stuff like we did today with Casey, but you're also getting times where Mark and I break down our own game where you're, personally getting to see what it looks like dive into a a video analysis which a lot of people don't know how to do at all and you're getting a focused idea of what that video analysis is going to look like
3: yeah
1: every time we do our little pre-practice meeting um or like our post-practice meeting where we're looking at film together guys we're posting that we're adding those on every time we do a video analysis with our campers that are seven day camps We're adding those in. The value just never stops increasing. And that's our goal is to just bring you value, help you get past those losses. And and you might not understand why you're losing or why you're failing at something. And it's just because if you had somebody just show you the right way once, it would be there for the rest of your life. And somebody here made a great point. Like it's, it's worth it because it's a skill that lasts you for your life. Like, what about when you need to teach your kid? What about when you need to coach somebody on a team? Are you going to give them information that came from like the highest level, came from national team and came from pro players? Are you going to like, because you did it this way, right? How many times have I heard that from some 50 year old who was playing in the bottom rung of, a, of an open tournament? Well, this is how I do it and it works for me. But does it work for you? Is that knowledge coming from like a professional player and somebody who's coached thousands and thousands of hours and players.
2: That's such a good point because, you know, I'm a teacher at heart. And imagine getting a research paper, a research assignment on the Civil War. And instead of doing research, you just write what you think happened. You know, like you're going to get a terrible grade and you should, right? Right. And that's what exactly what coaches are doing that aren't willing to look at outside outside resources and are just relying on their own information because there's so much out there that can make you a better coach. And if you're not willing to look outside, then to be honest, and this is probably the only way
1: to say it, you're just stubborn.
2: Not only is it not fair to you as a coach, it's not fair to the people that you're coaching.
1: That's a really good point. It's not fair to the people that you're coaching if you only bring your own knowledge that you made up in your mind that's like somebody going into a cave seeing other people living in caves like and or seeing other people like work in math books and then trying to make up rules to a, to math and then giving it to you and saying i'm a math teacher you know like be fair to your players be fair to the people that you teach and the people that you interact with and get quality information out there so that you guys prove way 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 quicker spider-man was in world war ii that's, yeah that's totally true if i want to teach my daughters which membership would you recommend that i get i would say that you should start so what level are, are your daughters daniel or is it daniel is that our guy daniel i'm not sure but if, if you're looking to teach your daughters so we have the, we do have the beginners course which is really really cheap and it's just so if they're super beginners and you're just looking for like an easy start then the best place to start is going to be the rookie membership, which is nine bucks per month. And it gives you three introductory videos and drills on passing, setting and spiking. Right, Brennan? Yeah. <clears> so, and serving. And serving. And a free drill book that you can do as well. Yeah. So like, that's a great start to place to a place to start with the basics. Get those tips, get those keys. Again, we keep adding new tools into that membership and into each product, but if you are just a beginner and a lot of this was over your head or would be over the head of somebody who is starting we built a beginner's course and that is in the rookie membership so um aren't they all free on your youtube channel uh that's a great question nick no uh we do post a lot of videos on youtube uh but that's about 30 percent of the videos that we have and the courses that we've built and the tutorials that we have so yes we are putting it out onto youtube but even with a million views in the last two months i think the youtube has given the two of us 80 you know um to split and and those that million views has has cost us (laughs) um a complete year of our lives so youtube doesn't youtube doesn't pay and if you appreciate good knowledge and you see the value in having a good coach because you want to improve then this is the way to invest in yourself and to
2: and if you want our videos to remain somewhat watchable by having a video editor having a video editor like tanya i think she's still watching who's absolutely amazing um but if mark and i were to put
1: <laughs> these videos together they uh, probably wouldn't turn out as well or yeah, nearly yeah. as good She's having to deal with one of my edits because I tried to save her time and <laughs> it's a nightmare right now. <laughs> um, and if you days. guys are looking for video editors for your small business or for anything, shout that out in the chat because Tanya is here and she is a fantastic editor. And as a video editor creator, we are all at a time where we need some extra work. So um, i posting that in here and if you can support our employees, that would be great. Um, I'm a coach studying sports coaching. I have a lot of thoughts and it would be cool to discuss some things over email or something. Do you guys think that would be possible? Yeah, Simon, that that would be easy. Um, I'll send you a Calendly link. Just right now, if you could send an email to mark at volleycamppromosa.com, I will send you a Calendly link where we can set up a time to meet. And, yeah, I would love to, to hear more about that, the sports coaching experience. Tonight.
2: Well, hopefully uh, a lot of you guys will be tuning back in tonight,
1: right, at 6.30? Yep. Oh, six. Yes, I think we're going at 6 tonight, um, where we have Carrie Pothurst, Australian gold and bronze medalist in beach volleyball, and three-time Olympian. And now she's catapulted her career to being a motivational speaker. So she talks about success, not only like just in beach volleyball, but all parts of life. So what what's your number one question that you're going to ask her, Brandon?
3: Oh,
2: man, I got to think about it. I love people that are, are motivational. Mm. You know, it's just something that really gets to me. And I am one of those people as driven as I like to say I am. I I do need the the motivation. I need the motivational movies. I need the motivational quotes. I need the motivational books. Getting a chance to be on the call with her is... I can't imagine what I'm going to ask, but I'm definitely looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm going to say like, how do you convert? Like when you stopped playing, what were the first couple of years like when you were done yeah. with your sport and that transition, which, which can be scary.
2: Yeah. Cause especially whenever we're in the arena, so to say, uh, our influence on people is quite large and, and you kind of get used to that. And you, you really love the idea that you get to reach so many people uh, and, one of the big worries that I think we do have is, is how can I maintain that influence once I'm done playing? Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool that she's figured out a way to do that. So
3: yeah, right. do I still I'm sure we can take base. a lot
1: away from it too. Do I still have like a power base or a place to speak from if I'm no longer one of the best athletes in my sport? People can easily feel like their power base is, is removed there and they get, they might get more shy about talking than they right. were during, like, during their career. Yeah, guys, that's it. Um Like I said, if you are investing in your game uh, and you want private video lessons, we do have those. But uh, the Rising Star membership is going to get you so far along the way. And we do have the individual courses as well, which we posted just the passing and the setting here. Well, way, way, way worth your time. I hope you guys enjoy them. And we would love to hear as much feedback as you guys can give us anytime. So go ahead and email us. Use Volley Chat on the, uh, the Volley Chat forum on Better at Beach to communicate with us. Uh, send us emails. Love talking to you guys. That's it. Brandon, do you want to answer any last Q&As here? we got 41. Questions. With one bonus, do you want to scroll and pick one bonus?
2: All right, I'm just going to scroll for... Question oh, did And scroll. All right, there we go. I'm going... I'm just going to go blindly up and down, up and down, up and down, and... Do you see the game evolving into a more deceptive or more trick plays oriented, e.g. back overhead set attack? Yeah, I, I mean, and that was from Aaron. I don't know if you're still here, but um, I think that we're already seeing that. Uh, teams are looking deeper into themselves into finding how they can win. And it's. I think that the game is... Is going within the next five years, I think that we're going to see offensive styles that we haven't seen before. And I'm not 100% sure what those are. I think if I could predict them or if I could come up with one, then you guys will probably see me on something other than Zoom, maybe Sports Center or something. Yeah, I I think that we haven't even broke the surface on how this game can change and really excited to see what it's going to look like. We're already seeing it with the quick sets, with the spreading, with the running around, with the over on twos and deceptive ways, the sports getting more entertainment, entertaining for sure.
1: Well, uh, Brandon, you wanna you wanna sign us off here? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys
2: coming. Um, like we said, uh, supporting us is you can do it in multiple ways. Uh, if you are interested in getting better, obviously those courses or memberships are going to be very very big for you. Uh, If you're not ready to spend money, that is completely fine. We love having you guys around. We love you checking out our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. Um, And then also, if you enjoyed this webinar, talk about it. Tell your friends. Share it on your Facebook pages. If you see us, share it. Um, That's one way that you could help us that is completely free. Um, Mm -hmm. And all it takes is a few clicks. Uh, And your friends will listen to you a lot more than they'll listen to someone they don't know. So uh, that would be really, really big. And then I hope we see you guys tonight um, and keep bringing the great questions. Looking at that Q&A and seeing 41 is pretty big. So that's, uh, that's really cool. I like the interaction, so I appreciate it.
1: All right, all right. Uh, we need some kind of cool uh, sign-off phrase since, since we're gonna be doing this consistently. We'll, we'll have maybe Tanya or, or Chris Kawadi like develop some kind of soundbite for us. <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to find something.
1: So long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just because in a couple hours. Guys, see you all in a couple hours. uh, if you're coming. Have a good day. Hope we brought value as always. Check you later. All right. Have
2: a good one,
3: guys. See ya.